0: Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Ellen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse,
1: let's of the show.
2: Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsak, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week?
1: Well, Kate, I have some, I have some, like, bad news for you. row yeah, well, I mean, it's about a sponsor that we landed that was apparently, like, really into what we were doing. Oh, great. And then And then they listened to us actually doing it, I think, and then they got really offended, and they're just backpedaling really, really quickly. And they don't want anything to do with us anymore.
2: D- didn't they, like, listen to their, the podcast before they reached out? Like, didn't they do some basic research? I'm so confused. Why would you I don't hire? Know. Like, like, why would you start a contract with someone if you didn't? know what they create
1: yeah no that that was the weird thing they're just like we love what you do and i was just like great i, I can't wait for this and then someone actually listened to it and they just went oh this isn't what we thought at all we're huh. not okay with this so yeah we don't have any sponsors still kate i'm sorry i've fallen down on my one thing that i bring to this podcast which is connections to I, major places i feel web.
2: like this is on them Not on you. Yeah,
1: I think so too. I feel that way, but I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I needed that validation.
2: Yeah. No, no, it's trust me. It's not you. It's not, it's not uh, me in this one case. It is them. And if you weren't sure what we're talking about, (laughs) more on that when we get to our weekend comedy. Um, so this week we, we've got at the end of the show, we're talking about Howard's End, which is a four part, like, I guess, mini series. One series, like yeah. adaptation on stars, um, which basically means we're going to just talk about how Haley Atwell's amazing. Um, <sighs> oh, she's so amazing. Yeah, for about half an hour uh, at the end of the show. Um, before that, we get a lot of news. So let's dive into this because, like, there was news this week. So, what's going on in TV world? Noel.
1: All right. So we've got a bunch, uh, a handful of renewals came out this week. So, Good Fight got the Good Fight got renewed for a third season over on CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. Handmaid's Tale also got picked up for a third season over on Hulu. As did Westworld for another season on HBO. And then ABC picked up American Idol for season two slash season 17 or something like that. Yeah. Do Um, you know anyone watching that American Idol? I know no one watching American Idol right now. I know no one. But the ratings are, like, solid for um, what they're doing right now. Okay. So, like, the live show ratings, I think, pulled, like, 10 mil. um, Which is... Those are really good
2: numbers. Those are Jesus Christ Superstar numbers. So... Yeah.
1: Yeah, so people are watching. I don't know who's watching or why, but yes. I know people are watching. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited for more Handmaids, even though I did not get to this week's episode. Um, mm-hmm. Good Fight, I'm sort of like, okay. sure, I guess. Yeah, okay. I like those people um, getting money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, is how I feel about it. I like all of these people getting money. Uh, Westworld, I don't care. Yeah. I'm happy for those people who care about Westworld. Yeah. Um, but in other news, uh, Kimmy Schmidt is going to wrap up in season four, which is being, remember, split, split up into halves this season. Uh, we know that the first half is dropping relatively soon. Like yeah. can, by the end of the month, I think. Yeah. And then we don't know when the second half will be, but they've also been floating the potential of like an including movie as well. So uh, I guess Netflix is really on board with a, hey, well, we won't give you a full season, but we'll give you two hours or ninety minutes depending, yeah, um, to wrap things up so i'm I'm glad that they're potentially going to do that for Kimmy Schmidt, but I also kind of feel like maybe even without having seen any of season four yet, I do kind of think, yeah, it's time, yeah, I feel like, yeah,
2: yeah, for me, it's been some diminishing returns,
1: over yeah, the, I think the that's fair very,
2: like I, I I still haven't finished season three. Right, um, and I've rewatched yeah. season
1: three, and I have already forgotten most of it.
2: I didn't feel compelled to go back after my initial binge, so I'm sure, like at some point, I probably will. Just based on like yeah. running out of things, like catching up with things. Like this this week, I watched the entire first season of The Crown, and guess what, guys? It's really good, which everybody already knew, but I just wasn't in a the crowd headspace. The, the Crown, I should say, headspace when yeah. it came out, and so I was like, mm. and I watched the first episode. I was like, Psh, I've seen this before. This week, I was like. Yes, I've seen this before, but they're doing such a lovely job. Yeah. Um so may, well, at, at a certain point I'll get in the Kimi Schmidt headspace, I'm sure, and finish season 3.
1: And now like th- this is an rundown but Helen Bottom Carter has signed on to play uh Margaret in seasons like 3 and 4 of The Crown. So that's oh. cool.
2: And look at that Howard's End symmetry right there. Yeah.
1: Very yeah. nice. Oh, that is that is very nice. Um so another news like Arrested Development is releasing a remixed version of season 4, to which I go, "Okay,"
2: Uh, yeah. Are you going to watch
1: that? No, I didn't. I, I didn't even watch like season four after I heard how bad it was. I did not watch it. Um. Yeah. So I just went, okay.
2: Yeah. It's like, um, I already gave you yeah. so much time of my life for season four the first time. And there were like, yeah. okay, there were a couple really funny things. The bees, very funny. Runaway, getaway, getaway, runaway. Like one of the catchiest fake, like right up there with Thicky Trick for like catchiest like show, song within a show. In the last like 10, 15 years, but that is not enough for a full season. So, and and I don't, they want me to give them another X number of hours of my life to give them a second shot at like fixing season. Like, why? I, I, but then again, if people tell me it's amazing, I probably will still watch it just because I love the first three seasons so much. But I certainly am not interested in a season five.
1: Yeah. And season five is dropping, uh, he said, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And then Tambor is indeed in it, to which we all went. That was a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also imagine that they probably shot a lot of this before, maybe. But I have no
2: idea. But yeah. um, in the current like week that Me Too's been having, you just yeah. see there were another like, wasn't it like 27 more people came out against Charlie Rose? Yeah, yeah.
1: It was a massive amount of people. And CBS was apparently aware of at least a few of these on mm-hmm. some level, which is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just like, Wah. yeah, Um.
2: so, yeah, I, yeah. I will see what happens with that. I don't plan to watch it. Um. I probably will still just out of like, just lack of just like just out of habit. I'll probably watch next season of Arrow, but mm-hmm. I won't be watching Paul Blackthorne on it because he's not coming back. Now, do we know why or do we just assume they're killing him or is like the actor doing some other
1: role? I mean, I imagine it just came down to, like, I mean, they're transitioning into everyone had to get new contracts for, like, the series r- regulars. Uh-huh. So I imagine that Blackthorn was probably just like, guys, I'm done. I'm good. Like, I'm very tired. I'm very, very tired, tired of, playing of having same nothing three beats. to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had nothing to do on this show since season three, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping in mind season four is when you killed my daughter and mm-hmm. I have nothing to do. Um. So yeah, I think they haven't said. I think he's just done. But uh, it's probably also just part of like the larger shakeup that Arrow is going through, getting a new showrunner next year. Um, Guggenheim stepping away, becoming like consulting producer on both Arrow and on Legends of Tomorrow, and uh, Merkel Miracle uh, leaving the show, I think entirely. And yeah. So yeah, and Arrow's just getting shaken up as it goes into its next phase.
2: Yeah. If you had told me a while ago, it's like, you know what we're going to do, narrow next season? We're going to take away Captain Lance and add back Roy. I'd be like,
1: that's not a thing.
2: Wh- wh- why-, why are you doing this? Who's making the decisions and who thinks this is a good one? But, you know, we'll see what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also surprised, but I guess not that surprised by the mm-hmm. Conan news, just based yeah. on, I, again, I don't know anyone who watches Conan.
1: Yeah, so Conan's going to be switching to a half-hour format in 2019. Um they're going to refocus a lot of their stuff onto digital content which apparently has been really successful. They're going to do a little bit more ad integration along the lines of Conan plays video games with famous people and then have trouble playing those video games which admittedly are incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. Um they're just they're very funny bits. His thing of playing Final Fantasy 15 with Elijah Wood is just it's chef's kiss (laughs) um but then they're also gonna do like a lot more um comedy specials and then the travel shows which is something that was being kicked around for conan as a format change i want to say like two or three years ago Mm -hmm. um is going to continue but these will be like separate from the half hour those will be allowed to be like an hour or so um, because I, I legitimately thought that they were just going to transition to being becoming a travelogue show because those have been really, really successful and TBS seemed to really like those. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, I, I think your point about like no one's really watching, seems to be watching this. I think this is just a good way for TBS to stay in business with him because mm-hmm. uh, I think that they really do want to stay in business with him. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's just a way for them to extend this because they, they made a big mention of mentioning they made a big show mentioning the digital and the ad integration stuff.
2: Yeah. Well, it also just... I mean, I, obviously, I have no idea the specifics of any of this, but yeah. based on the tenor of um, the deal at TBS when Conan got fired from Late Night, uh, yeah. from, from the Tonight Show, I should say, uh, I've, I've always respected at least what seems like a very genuine interest in keeping his staff hired and working. Yeah. And so... You know, because Conan has plenty of money, Um, yeah. but it, I, you know, it, I I appreciate and applaud someone keeping, like, working with TBS or wherever to keep his show on the air so that he can keep the people who work for him employed. Um, so, because that's what I assume this is. Obviously, he still has a show and he still makes a yeah. the of money and he gets to be relevant and all these good things, too. But if Conan wanted to, he could leave and then... Come up with something new, and that I don't think you'd have any trouble doing that. So, be, being this flexible with the format instead of just saying, you know what, never mind, let's just do something else. Um, yeah. to me, speaks to wanting to keep the casting, the, the cast, sorry, the crew, um, employed, and that's pretty great.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, and it also speaks to like keeping like his production company and those people employed as well, because included in this was sort of a, like an overall deal with Conan Co. Mm-hmm. Um, which is produced like that animated science fiction series that we watched a few episodes of. Um, yeah, Final, Final Space, Space, right? Yeah. I think so, something like that. Uh, so they're going to continue to produce uh, programming as well, I think, through TBS. And I think Conan, the talk show itself, is like set through 2022, I want to say. So I think this is just like a retooling of that.
2: Okay. Um, I'm very excited about this next one. Uh, so FX has a TV version of what we do in the shadows. I'm just chalking this up to Thor Ragnarok.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, this has to be the only reason this is happening, but it's a, it's good that it's happening.
2: Yeah. Well, who all's involved? So for listeners who don't know, what we do in the shadows is a comedy, like a, a mockumentary, comedy film from uh taika waititi who is the director of thor ragnarok he also stars in it about like a kind of a a documentary crew falling around this trio quartet but one of them is very off screen trio of vampires um and it's freaking hilarious Uh, I, I, i laughed heartily many times watching it um and there's apparently also still at some point plans to do a sort of spinoff sequel following the werewolves you meet very briefly in that movie i'm still waiting to see that but this a tv version of this uh i'm super down for as long as the same creatives are involved
1: so clement and ytt um and some of the stars directors of the film are involved to certain degrees like Mm -hmm. um clement and ytt are um i think working as executive producers with the show um yeah they're executive producers along with um a few other folks that were involved with the film um but they'll have a whole new cast um before it it's going to be set in new york uh, and then but following the same basic premise of vampires who've been roommates for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years Mm -hmm. um so yeah so i mean i'm i'm intrigued by this being a show it's going to be a 10 episode one first season Mm -hmm. um and then they'll see how it checks out but I, I do agree um, that this is very much a, oh wow, he's really funny from Thor Ragnarok type of thing, and yeah. how quickly can we turn this into a television series? And the answer is, look for this in spring 2019.
2: Yeah. Well, and we've been working with Jemaine on Legion, so yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So so yeah, that's a quick turnaround, but you know, like I said, I'm I'm here for it, and I feel like this is the kind of sh- like ten half hour episodes. I feel like that yeah. could work really well. So.
1: Yeah, and they've already cast everyone uh, for like the leads for it, so Mm -hmm. those people are all locked in. So I imagine they're they're either filming now or they're about to start filming pretty Mm -hmm. soon.
2: Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm certainly much more excited about that than I am about this next thing. Um, there's (laughs) a
1: Swamp Thing series happening. Yeah. So uh, DC's uh, streaming platform that is uh, probably only notable right now for was originally only notable for being the home of Young Justice Outsiders uh the continuation of Young Justice and then becoming the home of the live-action Teen Titans adaptation that TNT just could never get to work. Um is now has a name. It's going to be called DC Universe, which is not at all confusing <laughs> since uh they refer to the cinematic universe as like the DC expanded universe or something like that. Yeah. And they also have a free-to-play MMO called wait for it DC Universe. Um, so that's not going to yeah. be confusing at all. Yep. At all. Um, but they, um, joining also those two shows, um, Harley Quinn has an animated series that was announced last year that I somehow completely missed that news. And then they announced along with the streaming platform name, uh, a live action, uh, version of Swamp Thing, uh, which is going to be executive produced by a number of people, including James Wan, who's directing the Aquaman movie. Um, and so... Sure, it's going to be live action. It should be, if they get the special effects right, interesting. Uh, This won't bow until 2019 at the earliest. Um, But they also haven't said when any of this is actually going to launch yet anyway. Um, So we're still sort of waiting for when Titans will show up or Young Justice Outsiders, which I know a number of people are really eagerly looking forward to.
2: Sorry, I'm caught up by the fact that that we can now say... The Aquaman movie, and that's a serious thing, not an entourage punchline. Jason Momoa is super fun, don't get me wrong, but I'm definitely not watching an Aquaman movie. No
1: one's watching an Aquaman movie. No one's watching the DC movies. Oh, burn. Oh, sick burn. Um,
2: Speaking of sick burns, we have some sick burns to talk about because we got to talk Snatch Game and a bunch of comedies Mm -hmm. this week in TV. So unless there is any more news, shall we? No, I think that's it. Let's our week it. in comedy. Okay, we'll take a break, listen to a little music, and come back with our week in comedy and reality.
0: And I got a lot to say when I'm still feeling good from yesterday.
2: That was Stand Up by the Revivalist, featured at the end of the season finale of Superstore, which we'll be talking about here. But first, we got to talk about the White House Correspondents Dinner. Um, then we're going to talk about season one of uh, uh which dropped on Netflix on the 20th. Uh, of of April, so we're a little behind on that, but want to check in with that animated series. Then we're gonna talk Protein. Blackish. <laughs> then we're gonna talk Blackish, Blue Valentine. Slight change of tone there. Before we go back for uh, the Superstore finale town hall, and we'll round things out with uh snatch game from Yes yeah, sh- Drag Race.
1: Should we move Blackish to genre and drama this week? <laughs>
2: <laughs> ah, seriously, right? Um. So first up, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I don't know how much we want to talk about this. I like I watched this. Like, Saturday evening when I was reminded sure. that it was happening. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I got to put it in the rundown because Michelle Wolf Slade was hilarious. Did a really, really terrific job in a hard gig. Um, and then proceeded to watch the insanity of the, the press reactions on Sunday. And then watched it get litigated all week on TV. So I don't know how much new we have to say or how much we want to talk about it. But um, I was genuinely... Uh, nauseated by the response of the white house Correspondents association and the journalists who uh i considered very trustworthy and level-headed and sh- people who show good judgment who uh, really really didn't with their responses i have one thought that uh, as to why some of the, that is which we can get to um which is not an excuse, but is a reason that I might be at the core of some of the reactions to Michelle Wolf's uh, chunk on, on Sarah Huckabee Sanders. But before we get to that, uh, what, did, what did you think of her set and the response?
1: So the first, I, I ended up watching it twice because mm-hmm. the first time I watched it, I was sort of tired, um, and I just kind of half half had it on, mm-hmm. and at the time, I didn't think it was particularly. Like, there were good bits in it, but I wasn't particularly, like, blown away by it. Some of the jokes kind of felt a little stale by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that upon a rewatch, and I also took notes because I wanted to discuss this with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, there's a really good sort of structure to this. Um, the jokes that um, land, I think, land really well. But then some of the jokes that don't land, I think, are still pretty funny. Um, And I think that a lot of it just ended up reminding me of like, oh, wow. And especially the backpedaling. I just went, oh, you guys, this is Colbert in 2006 all over again. You guys didn't do any research about her or her comedy or how she was going to approach this. And you just you just booked someone because you needed to book someone. Mm-hmm. To the point where her acknowledging the fact that she's here is in no small part due to the Me Too movement as well, um, is just deeply, deeply telling about their priorities and then them not real them not doing enough research as journalists are supposed to do, as opposed to just taking things at face value. Which, hey, is a big part of her set. Yep. Yep. I thought it was
2: well-structured, as you said. I thought that the pacing was really good. She stayed on each topic for just, like, a couple bits and yep. then moved right on. Uh, I thought it flowed really nicely. She uh, did a great job of, you know, like, she, she did all the things you're supposed to do out a row. She she yes. critiqued herself, you know, significantly and uh, and... Then, like, she did that. She started with that and then went out to everybody else. Uh, She said some nice things and and then dug the knife in, you know, immediately after, which is also what you're supposed to do at a roast. Um, And I think uh, there are two things that really, for me, come to the core of the response. Um, One of them is I watched this again. I watched it several times. I watched it the first time, like, in the middle of the night on Saturday. (laughs) I watched it. I showed it to my parents and they both heard in the Sarah Huckabee section, um, she burns fat and turns it into, it, it turns the smoke, the ash into um, smoky eye, smoky eye. And she, so they didn't hear F-A-C-T-S. They heard F-A-T.
0: Uh-huh. And
2: then when we went back and rewound it, they they heard it just fine. They're like, oh, OK, yeah. But I think that is likely the reason and, and I, anecdotally, I've talked to other people who had who heard the same thing.
0: Huh.
2: um, so I think that might be su- like especially in the room if you if there's an echo, you can't like I think yeah. the, and I think that speaks to the ex the societal expectations around comedy towards women as well. yeah, just this assumption that like you hear fat and they just like filled in like a lot of people, I think watching um, and maybe some of the people in the room heard fat and then just didn't really hear the next part of it and thought that they were calling her fat. Because the actual things that that she said... Had nothing to do with her appearance. Uh, and actually
1: I've, complimented her solid smoky eye abilities.
2: Yeah, and that is not an obscure thing the way I heard some female journalist saying that that was a niche thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's I know really what not. that is. Yeah, <laughs> and also, as anyone who's ever stabbed themselves in the eye with, uh, with brushes and mascara and everything knows, a good smoky eye game is can be difficult to achieve certainly Super. on like equally on both eyes so that is not a small compliment
1: no it's it's a really good compliment and it's a it's a high compliment it's yes. just uh, the way that she achieves that smoky eye is by Burning everything to the ground that's true and correct in the yeah.
2: world. Well, yeah. That that's, was the joke. <laughs> and that's the joke. The, like, the I saw people trying to bend over backwards to make the Aunt Lydia comment be something about appearance. It's like, first of all, Ann Dowd is a national treasure. Don't you say a damn bad thing about Anne Dowd. Yeah. Second of all, that's obviously not what this is. Uh, I no. think people were uncomfortable with honesty. And that's what she brought in her critiques. Her critiques were based on very honest and legitimate criticisms of the work and the like the public, you know, response of the press to the current administration, what Sarah Huckabee de Sanders does and Kelly and Conway and all the other people she talks to about in her set, what they do on a daily basis and how they interact with the public. And I think, uh, Another part of this is the press being really not that happy with her set, her bit, her chunk about their complicity in and how they've benefited from Trump. And uh, that they they, so they're looking for a reason to to lash out and heaven forbid you insult or critique a white woman. So, yeah, nobody had anything bad to say about her uh, comments about Mitch McConnell's neck, But, you know, oh, no, they meant she mentioned eyeshadow about Sarah Sanders. She's this delicate flower must be protected.
1: Right. And I think that that's telling that they're weirdly protective of this. But both instances, like the Maddow joke lands really hard, which doesn't have anything to do with Maddow's appearance, but her general presentation style. Yeah. And then the Joe uh, Scarborough and Mika Kelly joke (laughs) lands really, really hard of a it's a Me Too that worked out. And that. That joke just killed in the room, and she's like, "Well, wait, hang on, yeah, <laughs> let's let's back up for a second here, guys, <laughs> yeah, because we're really laughing at the sexual assault joke landing and being funny because oh, they're married now, we can laugh about it, but it's no way type of an issue there. But I, I do really feel like the complicity argument is sort of key. Like, why do you guys keep inviting Kellyanne Conway on? Why are you giving her a platform for this? And then, by the way, I think you guys just really love him because, like she points out, you have 24 hours of news coverage, but you only cover four goddamn topics a week. Mm -hmm. A day, I should say. And then it's just all him. Mm -hmm. And so he's helped you, you're profiting off him. I mean, it's a really strong sort of critique that extends beyond sort of the purview of like a roast in a way because it's much more pointed in terms of an actual like ideological critique as opposed to like a satirization of in that roast vein. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people got sort of, like you said, really antsy, but at the same time, hi, guess what? White house press correspondents—that's That's the, that is your stated point of this is the celebration of the first amendment. You said so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then when you're just like, Oh, Whoa, Whoa, hang on. No, that's not okay. You don't get to tell us this stuff. You get to make fun of us, but you don't get to critique us is basically, I think, where the disconnect comes in. And they're so quick to throw Wolf under the bus is that they don't even name her in the statement going like, this is does not reflect our values and how we like to approach civil discourse. And it's just like tough. yeah. This Someone, idea that like, like, you only
2: hear things yeah. that you like, you only get to hear, yeah. like, you're supposed to make fun of us, but, like, in really superficial ways that don't actually mean it. It's like, it's like, you know the, how, how you could counter this critique, Sarah Sanders? Stop lying to the American public. Then then these critiques couldn't be levied against you.
1: Yeah, and the same thing goes for the press of, like, you're supposed to be the fourth estate. You're the fourth branch of American democracy in a lot of ways that's supposed to hold the other three branches accountable. And it's really difficult for you to do that when you just, in within a capitalist system that rewards you in any number of ways for not doing your job, for wanting to maintain access, for all this sort of stuff, even though maintaining access to this White House seems really f***ing easy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it's hard to take um, a statement about this dinner is to celebrate the First Amendment and to celebrate the hard work of the the White House, you know, correspondence in upholding that tradition while you're hobnobbing, with people who, with an administration that actively lies to you and works to counter, you know, like, to counter everything you're doing every single day. Like, you don't really get to do both.
1: Yeah, and when you're just like, the guy who's supposed to be the object of the roast doesn't show up twice now. Mm -hmm. It's just like, your priorities are very weird. I mean, some of, like, the really good Obama jokes within, over the course of his tenure were really kind of sick burns about him across the thing. And he's just like, they're taking it in kind of occasionally stoic stride, but also in Obama has had a sense of humor.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and the things for him to have a sense of humor about tended Mm -hmm. to not be as, as, consequential and right. and as negative there are, i'm yeah. sure some really pointed uh comments about drones about yeah. uh you know deportations and stuff deporter in chief of course for obama uh but certainly not you're destroying the entire republic which is right you know, you know the, the old can't do the crime don't do, can't do the time don't do the crime you can't handle being lightly ribbed right. um You know, or in this case, very pointedly ribbed then. Yeah. But as you said, this was Colbert all over again. And the response, like, I don't recall the response from the press, like the White House Correspondents Dinner being for Colbert to, like, shun him and to to apologize. And this time they did, and that really speaks to where our press is at right now. I think there are also levels of gender at play here. Like, she was so mean. I'm like, you guys didn't call Colbert mean. You said he wasn't funny. You didn't say he was mean. Why would you expect this female comedian to be nice yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to go down as an absolute triumph. And I think she crushed it, just like technically and, you know, like on structure and delivery and, and timing and all of that. Um, but I think also what she said was very significant and pointed. And she took her moment and ran with it. So more power yeah. to her.
1: And like to your point about like the, the significance of this, I mean, I'll point out that like the C SPAN YouTube recording of this has been watched more times already than the basically any of the um the celebrity hosts roasts during the obama administration like period like this is the most watched one probably since colbert Mm -hmm. um because they're funny occasionally but they're never like appointments sort of watching but this already has like five five and a half million closing in on six million views on the c-span one and yeah it's i think a lot of it like you said, just has to do with she wasn't playing nice, and she also skipped a lot of the pleasantries. It was just right at the top. It's just like we're at a Hilton. It sucks. I don't need to do Hilton jokes. And <laughs> C-SPAN. Nobody watches C-SPAN. I don't need to do C-SPAN jokes because I have twenty minutes, and there's a lot more interesting things to skewer.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the highlight of my viewing this week, the low lights of the discussion this week for me being just how disappointing. The, the response was like I really lost a lot of faith in a bunch of reporters I previously respected. Andrea Mitchell, I'm looking at you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's move on. Sure. Though to our next show, which this came out of nowhere for me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Agretzko, uh, which is an anime. I think right, it's, it's ten yeah. episode season one is on Netflix. I looked up on on Wikipedia. There's like a hundred episodes of this.
1: Yeah, well, I think it started. It started as a web series first. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, well, not a web series in like the streaming media sense, but like a web series of something else. So, like Broad um, City
2: or or, or, uh, or yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, there were, like ser- there have been like a number of animated shorts that appeared on um, TBS television over in Japan over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, I think that those are the those are the episodes you're referencing, and that aired on television. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is like a new sort of thing um uh that was uh produced licensed through netflix um so this features um san Reno characters um and if you're not familiar with san Reno, um you know them for hello kitty so but hello kitty doesn't like factor into this Mm -hmm. um but this is this is, yeah, this didn't come out of like nowhere for me. My person was very excited when they announced this because my person loves karaoke. (laughs) And so that was a big draw for her. And then, so I watched a little bit of this and then like mainline the rest of it. And I've really, really liked this. I thought it was very, I thought the animation was really good. I thought the voice work was really good. I thought the jokes were all really good. But there was also a number of like really solid, like pointed commentary as well that I thought worked really, really well. How did you feel about it?
2: Well, first off we should say this is a ten episode show. Each episode is about like fifteen minutes. Yeah, uh, about that. Yeah, following a an accountant at a firm, Retzko, who uh, the, all the characters are animals, a la bojack. Yeah. Um, and uh she's very mild mannered, she hates her job. She started like the opening scene sees her hopeful and fresh out of college and ready to take on the world, and then we skip to five years later and she's been totally soul crushed by the corporate existence. Um um, and her, part right of how she gets through her days is she she's this very sweet, very like a Hello Kitty, um, mild mannered appearing person who then goes and screams death metal in the karaoke bar. The, sorry, she at the karaoke booth that she rents for herself after work, and it's that contrast and, and commentary on the soul crushing nature of the corporate climate, as as well as you know many other topics that is at the heart of, of this show. Um, I watched one and then two more and then like a chunk of four and a chunk of three. So like I spread this out over a few days. And Mm -hmm. the reason is because the early episodes for me are way too repetitive and, um, they go to the same well with her death metal too often without enough growth or variation. So I would not recommend just like mainlining, the, the this season, unless you're willing to stick with it through the first like four and four or five, that's when things start getting a little bit more interesting. Um, n- that's not a coincidence that that's when um, my favorite ancillary character, the yogi who only says protein um, shows up. who's a bodybuilder. But um, but but yeah, things start getting a little more interesting from there. And, and I think the second half of the season is much stronger than the first half. Yeah. Uh, so solid pilot takes a little bit and then gets much more interesting i i thought i would never have sought this out so thank you for putting it on the rundown and and mentioning it how so did it live up to did your person like enjoy did it live up to their expectations
1: yeah i think she really enjoyed it i don't know if she's i think she's finished it um we haven't talked about it in a while i know like she was around like episode seven or nine so she should be done with it she's in the process of going through a major fraser watch right now um but um yeah I think she really enjoyed it um and I really enjoyed it as well um like you said like a lot of it is uh, the initial like especially like the first 3 episodes are generally really repetitive um but I think that the show figures itself out a little bit by episode 4 and 5 um when she meets her senior coworkers Gori and Washimi um Washimi is appropriately like a secretary bird a literal secretary bird who works as a secretary and then Gori is the director of marketing at the company. And so there's that whole, it's awkward, but then like they have valid things to offer Let's go as she sort of begins to navigate her life. And so I liked the kind of degrees of feminist interrogation at some of the part. If you had told me that this was going to deal with like misogyny in the workplace, I would have been like, really? Mm hmm. And then it does, like really pointedly and really nicely, I think. And then it deals really well towards the end with um, what are your expectations for relationships? Who are you in relationships? And the expectations of women within these kind of relationships. And then how, um, how can you speak up for yourself? And can that person that you're speaking up to respect and accept you for this person that you actually are? And not the person that you're hiding behind, because that's what you think that they want. And I think that all of this is really well trodden ground, but I think that the addition of the fact that it's done through a anthropomorphized red panda um, mm-hmm. makes a big difference in how fresh it feels and how sort of delightful um, it comes off with the juxtaposition of the bright Senero sort of inspired world versus. The really well animated death metal hit raging type stuff. So I, I think it's really, I think it's really cute, really funny, and has a number of really nice things to say within its very short runtime. So if you, if this is something you hadn't heard of, I think that this is definitely worth checking
2: out. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, again, that runtime, that fifteen minutes for me it was just right. Yeah, absolutely. I also enjoyed some of the um anime stylings of it, you know, like just like the pop to a different face for like 2 seconds and back, you know, like there's some some of the the style of animation really I thought uh complemented the tone and the the story very well and yeah, the the when they go into death metal mode, the animation there is fabulous and super fun, so now I'm just kind of stalling because I don't want to talk about the next episode, but I should stop doing that. If you check out uh, uh let us know what you thought, listeners. But I, I mean, we got to talk about Blackish, Blue Valentine. See, because they play with time, so that's that's why it's called Blue Valentine, which I think like half of the places I saw didn't like they corrected it to Valentine because like that makes more sense. Um, okay, so uh, this was a. Okay, so the last episode that we talked about for, for Blackish, we both really th- uh, liked the episode, thought it was very well done, but didn't it didn't necessarily match with the rest of the show and what they had worked up to and earned at that point. You know, like, as far as the relationship between Bo and Dre. How did this one work for you, continuing from that? Did you have a similar reaction to it? Um, or like, how, how did this one work for you?
1: Um, I really liked this episode overall. Um, um, I think that the um, like fruit of the poisonous tree thing still sort of applies in like, this is something that they're going whole hog on and this episode is really intended to sell that in a lot of ways. In the degree mm-hmm. to which that's successful, I think is going to vary from person to person. And so I do think that this does not solve the overall problem of you gave this absolutely no narrative build. Um, even if I do think it's really well directed, Um, I do think it's really well acted I don't know that it's particularly well written Um, a lot of it's heavy handed but I think that everyone's doing good work with what they're getting Um, and I do think the flashbacks don't provide enough juxtaposition in terms of what we're supposed to be taking away from because all we know of them is what we tonally is what we get in those flashbacks anyway um, so had those flashbacks come within a season of escalation to getting to this point, I think that their landing would have been much more powerful than it is because we don't, we've we only ever seen them generally very pretty happy. So doing the flashbacks of, oh, we got this house, uh, or like through their relationships type of thing, um, I don't think it adds necessarily anything um, and is more so there to provide a degree of relief from the washed out blue uh blue gray that predominate uh uh is the aesthetic palette for this particular episode um but i still enjoyed certain aesthetic choices including having Bo and dre be isolated on either ends of the frame to emphasize how really disconnected they are and i still think that the episode Again, like the previous episode, works generally within its own individual context. Doesn't necessarily still make sense to me. Um, And they're trying. It's a very hard sell, and for the most part, I'm buying it. But it's still a very hard sell that they're having to do, given that they didn't do any build up to this. Um, So, how did you feel about it?
2: Um, I think that the like the the directorial choice to have everything in full vibrant color. And then as soon as the kids go away for the weekend is just the two of them, everything washes out, um, is very effective. I, uh, and then, but then it sticks the whole episode and that combined with the writing choices. Um, it just, it's very heavy handed. So, so that when that, that moment is really potent. Um, and, but then doing that, and oh, there's this remodel of, the, of a perfectly lovely kitchen that doesn't need to be remodeled, but we're gonna tear it apart anyways, and we're gonna fight about how we how we put it back together, or whether we put it back together, or if we care about whether we put it back together. And when we put it back together, it's gonna be ugly. Like we get it's it, guys. So
1: ugly, yeah. No, it's, it's just the ugliest fucking kitchen.
2: Yeah, it's it's very not not good looking, um, and it's just very heavy-handed. When you have these actors who are so talented, they don't need any extra help. And yeah. so it just you you get really emotional, powerful performances that are, you know, they're not like over the top, they're very they're very small in a lot of the to- a lot of the ways until they need to be big. But then you add on the visual flourish and then you add on the pr- setup of this episode. It just it's a lot. Um mm-hmm. I also don't believe some of the things that they try to sell. I don't buy I'm not buying what they're selling. I don't believe that Bo doesn't know Dre's favorite color. How well she knows his shoe collection, she doesn't know his favorite color. I don't buy that mm-hmm. for a second. Yeah. Um I buy him not knowing her favorite color based on the right. way he's acted about things in the past. I just you know, like things like that. I don't buy her turning into over the course of how many months has it been a sit at home and do the dishes kind of wife that's never been who she is um, yeah. they've established that like we said who's the one doing the most child care clearly it's Junior like they've established yeah. this stuff over years and in order to get to a very real fight a lot of people have had a very like, you know, like very honest feeling fight they decide to put the dishes thing in there without going but that's not something that they would actually fight about so let's take that good idea and actually apply it to something that would fit for Bo, like I buy Dre being like, why aren't you keeping up the house if you're gonna be the state like, especially a conflict arising where she's never been a stay at home net mom and now she's doing yep. that, and so and they have different expectations of what that means. I absolutely buy that, but I don't buy her like that she's gonna take a dig about how she's she's not being a good enough housekeeper. To her husband, like, taking that lying down. That's not who she is. Um, And so just there's too many things like that. Uh, I thought that their fight that they have, like, the big fight they have was ugly about the flowers was, was, again, I don't... I don't believe that Dre never buys her flowers either. That's not the kind of husband he's been shown to be to this point. But they want us to buy that. I told that fight was amazing. It was heartbreaking, really intense, very ugly and honest. And I thought it worked really, really well. I I thought that the end where, where he brings the cup of noodles and they've earned that moment from the one of the previous flashbacks. And she shows the sink and he doesn't notice and she doesn't. Like, I thought that worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, like so, so I think like like so. There's so much in here that does that is very well done, but there's just too many other problems. And also, every time, another problem of setting this now, of doing this now, is that they're trying to say that these these fight this fight has been going on for a long time, and this has been a problem like this really strained to the point where they are separating, and he's moving out to go stay at a hotel for a while. That this has been going on for a while to the point where she just can't do this anymore. Yeah. That baby hasn't aged. So every time we see Devante, we can say, oh, it actually hasn't been, it's been maybe a month, maybe two yeah. months. Like, which undercuts everything. Like, you if you want to say that this has been going on for a while, uh, and when you add in this fight out of the blue, like, then you got to age up that baby. Because you can stretch time a bit with the, the other kids and not have us notice too much. But, like, you've got a baby,
1: yeah, and that's a really good point. One that I didn't pick up on because the degree to which the reno- how long the renovation takes mm-hmm. would sort of imply that the baby needs to grow some. Yeah, um, like how long is
2: that kitchen torn up for? How long are they not using their kitchen? Is that weeks or is that months?
1: It's it can't be like months, months. It at shouldn't the most, be like. It shouldn't be. It should be like a month if not like a little bit of change but like a month at the most I feel like. Yeah. But at the same time you're getting a really ugly kitchen aesthetically on purpose but you're getting a really ugly kitchen that maybe you maybe you shouldn't have taken a month and get a refund. Um. Yeah. I I, I agree with you on everything. So I I just think I ended up like liking this episode a little bit more than Mm -hmm. you. Um. Uh, Which is, it's so nice to disagree with you every once in a while. Yeah, it's good. We agree way too much. It gets very boring. Yeah. Yeah, So, but not enough to be like, oh, you're wrong. Because I do think that, like, the moments that do work, like you mentioned, like the ramen stuff and the fact that they don't, like, there's no heavy handed, like, push on that sink. Mm -hmm. There's just Bo constantly looking at it, stepping out of the way of it, touching it and being like, notice the sink. I, I picked the sink that you wanted. Notice the sink.
2: To the point where a couple of reviews, or recaps, I should say. They weren't reviews. So yeah. A couple of recaps that I found, because I was like, I need to find people talking about this right after I watched it. Yeah. Didn't even mention that part of it? It's like, didn't mention that she had put in his sink? I was like, okay, guys, like, it was really obvious. You should have. But apparently even some of the viewers didn't notice that.
1: Right, because, I mean, it's very much a passive-aggressive, olive branches from both of them in terms of like, I did the thing that you wanted because I want this to be okay. Or I'm trying to call back to a happier time. Let's try to work through this. And neither of them reacting to the, each other's like moment speaks to the degree of communication that is broken down between them. Yeah. Even if again, it's still like you're having to do a lot of work to sell this. Yeah. Because you haven't done any of the like work previously to sell this.
2: Yeah. And again, this is it, for me the one thing the big the one thing I just keep coming back to is it's too big of a shift way too quickly because yeah. I can believe this level of deterioration of their marriage if it's over months. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is like absolutely, e- this has not been months. This re like things are strained at the start of this episode, and maybe it's been a couple weeks between the previous episode and this episode. Yeah. And then this is a couple weeks more, so they go from strained to. Separated moving out of that, not, not like different bedroom, sleeping on the couch, but like he's
1: sleeping on the couch, he's sleeping end.
2: on the couch, but like moving to like moving out and going to a hotel over the course of maybe a month. Like, yeah, I don't buy that from either of these people, just as parents, you know. Don't tell me that, like, or, like going, like, going to stay with Pops in the guest house or something. Well, that
1: that was the thing I was, like, about to point out. I was just like, why would you go to Hell when you have a whole guest house that Pops never uses because Lawrence Fishburne is a very busy actor and has been, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is no longer even, like, a series regular on the show. Yeah. I feel like you can just move into the guest house. No one's there. <laughs> um,
2: so, yeah. I've, I've yeah. Basically, I basically thought it was a lot of really well done scenes. Um, yes. And or a good episode of a different show. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I can buy that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other scene that I do, do want to mention is I thought the, the scene they give Ruby was really well done. I liked the choice, the decision for that to be a flashback. And it's not mm-hmm. necessarily even one that Dre is thinking of, because I don't yeah. think he's in the headspace to be like that aware and considerate of that. But it, that was for the audience. And because it, it, there's no one that Ruby could talk to to say that in the present because the kids are theoretically not as aware of what's going on. We're going to, I guess, deal with that in the next episode. But um, but but they needed to have that in there somewhere. And I thought that that worked really well.
1: Yeah, even if like sort of ideologically, I kind of chafe at that mm-hmm. from like a well, you make it work. And it's just like, eh, not always you make it work, Ruby, um, but I think that the overall sentiment within the context of the show and within the context of this particular family is accurate. Mm-hmm. Even though this is also a woman saying, who make it work, who sank a guy's boat.
2: <laughs> Consider the source. <laughs> uh, or just this idea that it the only way that it can work is if you keep choosing to make it work. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so we'll see. I'm, you know, I, I I left this on my DVR for so long before I watched it. Like I was like, whereas I
1: like watched it, I think almost live, just like I just tear like, off like, the I to see. Yeah, I wanted to tear off that band-aid.
2: Yeah, I was like, I
1: don't want to watch this
2: before I go to bed. It's gonna bum me out. Um, so it bummed me the fuck out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, achievement unlocked. Blackish. Well yeah. done. Um, speaking of Superstore had its finale town hall, and uh, we had our good fight. Moment at the end here, ah, yes,
0: yes we uh, did,
2: and yeah, which I I really again I still don't like that. I don't like it in the dramatic context on the good fight. I don't think it's funny. I don't like it as a comedic, you know, thing here. Um, I this episode was fine. I thought it was a, a you know a fun S- finale, I guess, but it's it, not amongst their best, and um, and just sort of felt like kind of filling time. Yes, what did you think? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, this is, like, a, a huge letdown of, like, a finale for me. Like, it's... I'm not particularly compelled by the whole, oh, we found a smoking gun type of thing regarding how bad corporate is. It's just, like, I feel like you guys have known how bad corporate is for a little while. You didn't need this. Um, So the episode doesn't have, like, a lot of energy to it for me. The whole, we're gonna drip up, dress up Jeff as Sal and just, like have him be the one who like reveals everything it's just like this isn't interesting either and that was sort of like the thing that i kept running into with this is like none of this is interesting you're not really doing anything particularly compelling or dramatic and the one interesting thing that's happening between kelly and jonah is really just happening in the background and which is too bad because there's hints of really good things. And I was deeply amused. Like the high point of the episode is Kelly talking to, um, what's her name? Whose name? This, I cannot remember. Not,
2: Cheryl? No, not not Sandra. No, not Sandra's en- enemy. Yes.
1: Yeah, Sandra's enemy who. Carol? Maybe? That, Carol. I think, I think it might be Carol and Kelly going too dark for her. <laughs> Was, like, the thing I really wa- latched on to. Because I joked about the two of them teaming up to take down Amy and Sandra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just went, oh, it's too dark for her. And Kelly's little grin at the end, I thought yeah. it was just... That was, like, the high point of the episode for me was that. That um, told me
2: the most I've known about Kelly so far in the entire show. Uh, like, uh-huh. that, like, that like told me so much about her and I loved it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I did too. So, the rest of the episode, like, the callback to, like, the weird crawl space in-between thing I was just like okay this is why you set this up mm-hmm. but it was just it was a nothing sort of thing and I was I was really kind of let down on it the only other thing that really stood out to me is that America Ferreira got very pregnant between these
2: two very cells. very yeah very quickly
1: <laughs> it was yeah. so, it was like they took a month off <laughs> mm-hmm. and they came back and it was just like oh, she's very pregnant. Um, it's the difference between
2: this? hiding the pregnancy and not hiding yeah. the pregnancy anymore. Yes, yes.
1: And yeah. it was very amusing of like, all right, well, we have to have this kind of big sex scene. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. Yep, indeed. <laughs> Clever editing. Um, even though she's pregnant, so there was a real need for that, but she wasn't like in universe that pregnant yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She wasn't to the degree that she was showing. And yeah. Ferrer is very much showing, despite mm-hmm. the reaches that they're doing for that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on this one? Or um, the, like, I just really am not looking forward to even more shittiness towards Kelly, basically. Which I think uh-huh. this is
1: yeah, that, and I don't appreciate
2: her. it. I don't think it's funny. Yeah. Like, I just nope. it's a cheap laugh. I don't, you know.
1: Yeah. It's a cheap laugh at her expense, and I think that the only thing the thing I'll say is that Mateo deserves a lot better at this point. hmm. Yeah, than Jeff, um, who just yeah. I mean, his whole now you got a guy on the inside, and we but we don't want to talk rec- about too much, guys. It's just like Mateo, you can do better than that.
2: Yeah, well, and I would like with him theoretically either moving commuting or moving to Chicago. That I would imagine yeah. that you know spells the end of that. So yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Any final thoughts on Superstore or should we move on to Drag Race? Snatch Game? Yeah,
1: let's talk about Snatch Game. How did you feel about um, Snatch Game? How did you feel about the mermaid challenge? How did you feel about literally everything that happened in this episode? I feel like it's up for grabs at this point.
2: Yes, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I will be guesting over on TV Party talking about uh, this episode in depth over there. Um, But we're also going to talk about it in depth because I want to know how you feel about everything. Um, I have many thoughts on this. I thought the. I was very excited for this uh, because the queens have been so strong. Uh, I thought most of them really underwhelmed and did a bad job and did like a very avoidably bad job. Like they should not have done. Like there, there's some very questionable choices and then, mm-hmm. then freezing like the deer in headlights situation as well that yep. contributed to that. I thought there were a couple people who did very well and um, the wrong person won and the wrong person was like went home. The the, the person who should have like just based on Snatch Game gone home wasn't even up for elimination. And uh, I thought a big part of the, of the reason all that happened was because, well, who they want you know, ruin the producers want to still be in the competition, but also because of the mermaid challenge, which I thought was a stupid challenge, <laughs> a very stupid challenge. Like the challenge itself is fine, but there's so many. And I, you know, I watched this with my brother who never watches uh drag race, but I was very excited. So I think he was entertained by the fact that I was excited about it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so he watched it with me. Um, and I was talking with him about it. He's like, so wait, why did they wheel them out in wheelchairs? Like, why a wheelchair? Why not, like, a rock or a shell or anything but a wheelchair? And why would you do a runway challenge where they can't really move? Like, yes, it's it's really hard. So, I guess, you know, talking about, like, separating the real contenders, like, that's a way to do it. How do you make this interesting? But I thought it just, it lacked so much. Like, these runways, besides, like, denim and diamond, diamonds, we know I wasn't very down for. But a lot, like, these romes had been consistently really good, and this was, okay, yeah, it's a hard thing to do, but, like, it was not interesting, and then they're just kind of there, like, flapping the tail a little bit, and, like, making some, doing, you know, pulling some face, but, like, it was so underwhelming, and, and it's just, like, why would, why would you do a mermaid challenge, and if you were going to do a mermaid challenge, why would you structure it this way, and why would you have the pick who wheel them in an ugly, well, it looked very comfortable, but, like, a, like a not aesthetically pleasing wheelchair at least have them decorate their own wheelchair
1: yeah well a lot of this is wanting to be too faithful to the source inspiration for this challenge okay and that's what this boils down to is like they don't want to mess with Bette midler and her being rolled out on a wheelchair dressed as a mermaid Mm -hmm. and down to the fact that i'm like 99% positive that all the wheelchairs have the same sort of like pinwheel sort of deal that she uses. Yeah, it's the exact same, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's the exact same wheelchair that they use. And I think that there's, they're hewing too close to that source inspiration for this um, in its presentation because they want that to come across very clearly. And I do think that they don't do a good job of explaining that to an audience that isn't familiar with that visual. Um, They flash it up on the screen, but it's very brief. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that isn't, that is a weird sort of over overcompensation for wanting to be really true to this particular type of image. So I understand that. But I mean, at the same time, just have them get to like the T-junction of it in the wheelchair and then have them walk around. And that yes. solves this issue entirely. You get the thing that Absolutely. you want. And then they can walk around. Um, and
2: I think it's more challenging to make them construct a yes. garment that works both ways.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And so I totally agree with you on that, even if I do think that a number of them look generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. People didn't like, um, it was Asia's Mask, right? Yeah.
2: Oh, I love that.
1: I thought that was great. I thought that was really clever. I thought that was really smart. I really appreciated Audrey McDonald coming to bat for that mm-hmm. because it was just like, yes, and also very timely considering the shape of water. Um <laughs> So I, I really liked that aspect of it. I liked a lot of them. Vixen's was just massively... I don't know what the Vixen was thinking with that. Mm-hmm. Um, But I do... It's just... It was fine, but I think that the combination of the presentation just left the runway a lot to be desired, even if a number of the looks I thought were good on varying levels. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, so let's talk about Snatch Game then, and the fact that... I, too, was also very underwhelmed by most everyone's performances. I think Cameron's doing a really good job of just flying in the middle and not saying anything, ever. Well, like,
2: um, okay, I thought Cameron did really, really well.
1: And yeah, this I think so, too, not- but-
2: her strength, but I thought that yeah. she crushed China. I thought that was a really good China.
1: Aesthetically, it's a brilliant China. I've never heard China oh, talk before. No, I, so I can't like
2: the voice. All of it, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, somebody yeah. who watched, like we've talked about, I watched a lot, yeah. a lot of Raw in in the the you know late nineties, early aughts. Um, I thought that was, but Cameron was never going to do well on this challenge because right. she's not the personality to jump in and interject, and that's what you need to do. to do well so i thought that she did very well for her and she chose really wisely yes and ended up
1: probably arguably like the wisest of everyone oh yeah from eureka choosing uh honey boo boo um like those were like the safest possible choices for both of them their respective interests and personalities and general sort of approaches to how they depict themselves on the show Uh, Because has Cameron even done a talking head?
2: I feel like she hasn't. Mostly about Shania Twain, but a couple. Yes.
1: That, I think, was the only episode that that happened in. Otherwise, I think she just gives not good talking head footage.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I saw someone describe it as the old... uh, they can't edit you into a villain if you don't give them anything, you know. Yes, right. Yeah, which is one way to do it. Um, yeah. I was severely underwhelmed by Ms. Cracker. I thought the character choice was a good one for her, but then she did not let rise to the occasion with the zingers. They're like they were too late. Like she wasn't spontaneous enough. Um, yeah. they were too like pre baked in, and and she wasn't adapting to the room and to the actual humor. Um, so I thought that that actually was very underwhelming. Uh, not nearly the fail that the other people were. But I would say that I thought that Cameron was much better than she was.
1: Yeah, I no, I'd agree with that, definitely. Um, And then just, I don't know what that Beyonce was.
2: Well, okay. That Beyonce was was terrible, is what it was.
1: Yeah. And no, that should have
2: been up for elimination.
1: I yeah, I, I do agree that, like, I mean, she should have been up for elimination, because that Beyonce isn't, never says Beyonce in any way, shape, or form to me beyond a slight aesthetic sort of like appearance but then there's like nothing else to it and i appreciate like the the judges being like why do people keep doing this we know nothing about her for you to spring off of to do anything stop doing this this isn't working for you um so no i absolutely agree that like asia should have been up for elimination just based on that um and that was really frustrating especially because I do feel like the My was really good and really funny. I would have um, given her the win. Yeah, I would have too is the thing. I thought that was a much I thought especially based on how really early it
2: went during All Stars. Oh um, my god. immediately starting out with the like, I know you're gonna do a cage bird thing, I'm just gonna get to it before you do. So yeah. smart.
1: Yeah, no, really, really smart, and then just like a number of really good like little rests, and I do think that that should have won over um, the Honey Boo Boo thing. Which
2: oh no, is- it was it was Melania.
1: Oh no, you're right. It was Milani. I thought Honey Boo Boo won, why and it I was because
2: Helen of the runway? runway. That's because yeah. Monet's runway was not very good. It was yeah. a good idea, but p- not well executed, not polished yeah. at all. And Aquaria was incredibly polished, and that's why she won. And it like this lack of consistency is is it about the runway or is it about the challenge? Because yeah. Previously, it's, it's been all about the runway, about, about yeah. the challenge, and then this one, it was like they. I think I think Asia's runway look, at least being different, saved yeah. her. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, Monet's being kind of, you know, like not that great is what kept her from the wind. And I didn't think that was appropriate.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that the disconnect between what's important and what isn't is really beca- becomes very apparent in this episode. Um, And I do think that they, as we just discussed, I do think that they ended up sort of like limiting themselves by how they presented this runway and that. Created a number of issues that I think Just hurt everyone And yeah and then it was just It was really hard to watch that lip sync It It was was just bad Yeah on both fronts really But it was just I mean as soon as it was just like oh Renee doesn't know the words
2: Yeah well like People are giving Vixen credit For slaying lip syncs but it's like no She has not slayed a lip sync Mm -hmm. She's just Mm -hmm. been up against people Who weren't as good
1: yeah, is what that comes down to. It's just like I wasn't particularly no one seemed particularly compelled by either performance. And then mm-hmm. it basically boiled down to, Oh, Monet doesn't know the words, so we don't really have a choice. There's and not she a...
2: took off her wig or and then she tried that wheel. She was just like it was a total fail. It was she was yeah. in a bad headspace and it just kept tumbling spiraling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah so it wasn't that the Vixen did a particularly good job within this lip sync it was Monet offered nothing else for you to compete against because they had nothing yeah yeah um, so yeah, it was oh, so it was very the
2: <laughs> underwhelming. Um, the vixen, like I think the the stirring the pot that they do to to set up untucked here, where they say who should get eliminated, was yeah. it felt very produced and manufactured. But I'm mm-hmm. also not surprised. And and Rue is no problem doing that and is very upfront yeah. about it. You know, so fair enough. Yeah. That's when you do the show, that's what you sign up for. Yeah. Um, I thought that Vixen's response was very. Childish and immature, and very, like completely understandable. um Like I get, you know, why she went to that place and how she lashed out, and she was feeling very insecure. And that's what, like, I think all the queens know that nothing she's saying is actually based on anything true. It's just like based on like how where the emotions that that you know and feeling attacked and feeling like disappointing herself and all these different things for the vixen. That doesn't make it okay though. <laughs>
1: Right, no, absolutely doesn't, and that was just. I, I do agree with you that's heavily manufactured in terms of, but they've also like they ask this question every season, mm-hmm. so it's always like you're prepared for it in some level of like you need to like know that this is coming, um, and yeah, and I think even like the placement of the vixen within Untucked on that box behind the couches, so she's centered in the frame around all the couches is supposed to emphasize how big of a deal of like we're going to have a big untucked because (laughs) goodness knows the initial scene of untucked was by the way these couches are really comfortable here's Um, an ad (laughs) yeah here's an ad because there's no drama here because Cameron is here
2: (laughs) well yeah I really liked though um, that conversation with Cameron and and Ms. Cracker I thought that was actually really fun when they were talking about the and like just we're just glad that we survived. Uh we yeah, all know no. we did yeah. bad. Two people did good and everybody else yeah. just did different levels of bad and yeah. um you know I
1: thought that was Being safe this really week is tough. perfectly acceptable to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, Indeed. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um any other topics any other thoughts?
1: No. Plus, you need to save as much material as you oh, can for your other no! Don't
2: podcast. worry, I can always keep talking about this, and I will have many even further thoughts. The I'm just trying to think: Did we actually talk about all the different queens, or did we skip over some?
1: We skipped over uh, like a number of the other um, performances in Snatch Game. Um, so, so, so
2: the the Blue Ivy thing was stupid and yes, not well done. Um, right,
1: that only works if you work that out in advance.
2: You need to have done a lot more, but like knowing the meme is not enough. And in the overall lesson of this one, which they all should have learned by now, is yeah. it doesn't matter who you pick. It matters that you pick a personality and then you can improv with that character or that personality. Yeah. Like, yeah. like uh, in the past, there have been plenty of people like, like, um, Ben LaCrem doing Maggie Smith, right? He yeah. wasn't actually doing Maggie Smith, he was no. doing the Dowager Countess uh, yes. from Down Abbey. And it doesn't, they don't care. It, 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 it's funny. They they want yeah. it to be funny, so just get, it's a reason to do the Dowager Countess. So it's funny, um, and um, that the people can still go into the show and not understand that is is very strange to me. Um, I also thought that the like how do you not learn from? I mean, maybe maybe Asia didn't watch the podcast or so the panel. Sorry, the panel presentations, but like just going angry doesn't work in these situations. Because it's not funny. It's not funny. So just like like the lashing out like that was never going to work. Um, the the honey boo boo Eureka. We haven't really said much about her, but I thought that she did a really good job.
1: Well, it's uh, but it's also like as like they court critique. It's very much within that wheelhouse that mm-hmm. Eureka can execute really well, and I think that it's smart for Eureka to have done that. But it's also like there's no there's not a big stretch here.
2: Yeah. I think that there is absolutely validity to the Vixens passive aggressive and and bitchy and, and, you know, not brought up for the best of reasons. But her critique that, of course, she did well on these two last two challenges because it was play a baby and play a child who's very baby like, you know, like, and, and she's very good at that. But it's like, but then at a certain point, she played to her strengths. That was smart. It's not the most creative thing, but it's smart. And your idea might have been more creative, but then you couldn't go anywhere with it. So it was a stupid choice. Yeah, exactly. Just like the Maxine Waters thing. It's like that. I love that choice, but you have to be ready to go. And it's the same thing we've seen with Monique in the past about like there's a difference between being able to be really funny as yourself and being Mm -hmm. able to be really funny in character.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Which we saw somewhat so
2: with Bossy Rossi, where she did okay, but not great. Yeah. Um, but that was the problem that Monet had that in that episode, where where it was like, I know that I'm really funny, but you're not being you. You're being this other thing. So, you know, these are some of the, the common foibles. You know, I, I, I felt like I finished watching this and it was so underwhelming and it was so so disappointing. Um But then, and I think the combo of this runway with this Snatch game didn't help. Uh, But then I had to remember that actually a lot of the Snatch games aren't that good. We just remember the really good ones. But usually there's a couple people who are really, really good. Two or three, maybe. And three in a good year, two in a bad year, one in a bad year. (laughs) And then there's some forgettable people who have, like, a good moment. And and then there's some people who totally are terrible. Just bad. Just bad. So it was, I think, though my initial response was, oh, it was a bad Snatch game. I think it's it was just an average snatch game um and i wonder what the un- the less edited version would look like you know yeah um sure so who no- who and, knows yeah
1: and i think that even like 10 seasons in it's just like the degree of preparation for snatch games should be significantly higher at this
2: point mm-hmm. well they all know
1: about it and i think they right, do right they all know about it so it's like start working on the character for that now
2: well i think that they do i don't doubt that they do but yeah. I think they also, I think we're in season 10 now. They've been doing Snatch Games since season two. They did it in All Stars two and All Stars three. And I think that it's just a, like the pressure just keeps building each time. And Eureka mentions in the untucked that she wasn't nervous. And that, I think, cause I, th- and I think that's what happened with Miss Cracker. I think she just froze. Cause she, we've seen her be funny. Like that's, she's a comedy queen. That's what she does. We've seen her be funny. She wasn't really in this. Yeah. And I think the people who actually did the best were obviously Eureka and Monet. And then I would say for where she was starting from Cameron, I think Uh from where she was starting from Cameron nailed it. (laughs) Like she's not going to, it wasn't going to do much better, but that's because this isn't her strength, the way that it is for Eureka and it is for Monet. So, and and, I mean, I think um, uh, Aquaria did much better than expected because again, she chose a a character very wisely who uh, there could be some, some like delay and that would fit the character.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Any other thoughts on Snatch Game? And if not, what wins your week in comedy and reality?
1: Um, let's see. Um, Brooklyn 9 had a really good episode with uh, Bachelor Bachelorette Party. Um, it was very amusing. Um, and, um, what? I don't know. Um, I guess the White House Correspondents Dinner? Um, would probably win just on, like, a general sort of just the thing, not the discourse around it.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I'll give it to that. Um what about you this week?
2: Yeah, well, a shout out to Atlanta which had another another really strong episode. Yeah. We're going to talk about next week though when they had the finale. Um, yeah. I also wanted to mention they did you see this deleted scene that they did from the previous episode of the guys at the pajama party doing like dancing to TLC's Creep doing like the like the I did you, not
1: see that. Go seek see it out. out. Okay.
2: It's amazing. Um but I yeah, definitely the White House correspondence dinner it was the, the 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 best delivered and written Funniest thing I watched this week So giving it to Michelle Wolf So well well done And I look forward to checking out her show when it starts On Netflix uh, Now we will take a break, listen to a little a Little Anthony and the Imperials, And come back with our week in genre and drama Well
0: I think I'm going out of my head Yes I think
2: That was Going Out of My Head by Little Anthony and the Imperials, which was featured this week uh, prominently in uh, The Flash. We're going to talk first in our weekend drama and genre about the premiere of Elementary and Infinite Capacity for Taking Pains. Then we'll talk a little Killing Eve, sorry baby. Uh, I'll talk briefly about Arrow Docket number 11194173, and we'll round things out with The Flash, therefore she is. So, first up is Elementary, which came back. Uh, much belated, after quite a quite a delay here, uh, we get our answer, and we get our answer quickly to what's going on with Sherlock. What did you think of the resolution to that cliffhanger?
1: I was glad it was what it was. I was glad yeah. it wasn't, like, a massive tumor. I was glad it wasn't, like, some other sort of, like, heavy, quote-unquote, dramatic thing. The idea to do a post-concussion syndrome is A, as um, the um, showrunner discussed in an interview with someone, I want to say TV line, um, mentioned that this was something that they'd been just discussing in general within the writing room as like just topics of conversation. It wasn't something that they had considered putting into the show at all. So. But I think it's really timely to put it into the show, given our discussion around concussions within athletics, professional athletics, I should say, but also like within high school and recreational athletics. I think this is a really good thing to insert into the popular culture sort of discourse, even if elementary is not exactly the most high profile way to do that. Um, I think it's good. And I think there's a number of things that they can talk about that they're already sort of talking about with this and that this is something that can be managed. It is something that can be controlled to a certain degree. And it's something that can just go away, depending, but it's also something that can literally stay with you for the rest of your life. And the this that this is what kind of poses a conundrum for Sherlock, I think is really good. And the way that this episode sets it up in relation to his continuing sobriety, I think is really deftly handled. Um, so I'm I've really liked this answer and I liked how quickly we got it and I like what it means for both Sherlock going forward, but also for Joan going forward and like the support role that she plays both. As a supporting character, but also as a former sober companion, as a former doctor. I think a num- this opens up a number of really good avenues for Joan within a Sherlock storyline that she sometimes gets iced out of. Um, and I think that this is a really good way to remedy that. Plus, it also allowed her to give him a hug. That hug was everything I ever wanted to take. <laughs> It was such a good hug. Um, but how did you feel about them using post-concussion syndrome as their answer to the weirdness of the finale?
2: I, like, had never really heard of this, and okay. I thought it was a great choice. Like, if you're going to do this, this is a much, like you said, it's a much better answer than tumor, than, like, other, like, random genetic thing like this makes sense, and the fact, like, like when he talks about, like, he's not necessarily been all that kind to his body in the past, he's certainly someone who's gotten the crap beat out of him many times in his life, if only through, you know, the, his time as, as a drug user and, uh, uh, like, you know, with some of his darker um, times, I guess, just time periods yeah. of his life that we've seen glimpses of, like, you don't have any trouble believing that there's some, like, trauma like brain trauma he's had in the past that this has you know contributed to this being the straw that pushed him over into this you know uh this potentially you know lifelong brain injury. Uh so I thought that was really well done. I like you appreciated how quickly they got to that and that they didn't play like the he's trying to keep it from Joan thing uh which would have been incredibly tiresome. Um yeah, so I thought all of that was good. I actually like this whole episode for the most part. Until the ending, which I just yeah. wrote "boo" in our yeah. notes.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super excited about that, given the implication that um, our guest villain, yeah,
2: Desmond um, Harrington from Dexter,
1: yeah, is uh, an implied serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the concept that a we're doing this very forward for them in terms of we're going to establish this as a threat as a villain right off the bat. I appreciate that because sometimes their villains are too long played and it takes way too long. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like the setup for this in terms of Sherlock is not at his best. So he's going to miss things about this guy that he should pick up on immediately. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you also can't run that for the entire season. And that makes me really nervous. Um, And I, I just, i'm 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 not eager about this storyline even though i appreciate it from a structural standpoint from a thematic sort of reinforcement standpoint i like it but from just a general sort of oh we've got a serial killer that's going to be sherlock's friend oh i'm not excited about that
2: i i didn't like this the first time i watched it when it was called dexter uh, right yeah we've seen this before on other shows um not this kind of show in this kind of way. Yes. Yeah. And but but like and the fact that it's Desmond Harrington as well, who was on Dexter, doesn't help
1: with the association. Right, it's very meta. For yeah, well, a show that doesn't really do meta that often.
2: Yeah. And when when we met uh we met him and he said I decided to focus and I work, you could tell that like the way they were playing it that that was going to be on, not a good thing, like that that was going right, not a good tumbled. thing and then when they underline and like circle yep your expectations were appropriate your concerns about this character are appropriate um with the end of the the season the ep- sorry the end of the episode um it's just like it was just, it was just deflating for me cuz i was so you know like i appreciate that the what I, the reason i like elementary so much um besides Lucy Liu's fabulous wardrobe. Um, oh it, God, it, that
1: gray suit, is so good this week.
2: <laughs> the way that it undercuts the cliches and expectations uh, procedural fans have built up over the years from other shows. The mm-hmm. fact that they will never build a romantic relationship between Holmes and Watson. Uh, this Holmes and, and Watson, which any other show, I like, I literally can't think of another network who has done a show like this that hasn't done that.
1: And right, the only one that can't do it is Instinct based on the fact that Alan Cumming's playing a gay man.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. like that's what they have to do to, to make sure that their show doesn't have a romance as a central part mm-hmm. of it, and you know the only reason they did that is because Alan Cumming was like, well, that's the only way I'll do the show. Yeah. Like, that's... We yeah. don't know that I assume that because that makes sense. That makes, sense. That's, that that makes me happy to do it.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so like this is usually a show that doesn't go to these expected places in the same way and that's why it's so disappointing when they do um so i i also feel like shows are trying to get me to not like desmond harrington anymore after his like amazing one episode stint on justified as the ice pick killer which is like two scenes and oh,
1: right, it's so amazing that. yeah I'm yeah about that entirely
2: I've never liked him more in anything, and I feel like they're determined to make me like him even less. Like, I liked him for part of of Dexter that he was, that I saw him in, um, but, and, like, certainly that character grew and he did a good performance in that role, but, like, like, I'm just, like, I cannot, I, I would very much like to be wrong about that character and about how underwhelming it feels like this thread of the season is going to be and after following this season up you know with last season's chanuel stuff which didn't work that well either and wasn't the best casting for that as much as i love nelson, nelson alice just like it just didn't really work like uh i think i'm a little leery about how well they are going to be able to execute the arc but if they keep delivering on the week to week i'll still be entertained i'll still enjoy it
1: right and that's I think the, like the thing to enjoy like this week to week's pretty this case of the week's pretty strong. Um they they wisely got two recognizable character act, two recognizable actors for our cul- potential culprit slash eventual victim. And then once she's gone uh the lady from Banshee, um, then it's it's left to Brett Dalton and we all know Ward did it because he's yeah. Ward and showed up as it. It. Yeah, yeah, no, like Ward did it. Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah, no, he's just like Ward did it um but it was still a good case it allowed for a number of like the like the construction site allowed for like some of the particular ramifications for the post-concussion syndrome to come into play and so it sets that it sets up like the new normal for sherlock up really well just the show just hasn't done good arcing basically since season three yeah basically yeah season because season four was dad season five was Shinwell. so yeah, yeah. so since season three because they peaked at season three they crushed in season thi- three yeah they crushed season three entirely god that finale is so good yeah anyway um yeah but i'm really glad to have this show back as the thing is like you mentioned like the pleasures of this this show's approach to procedural and the chemistry between lou and miller is just so comforting and so good Mm -hmm. and both of their individual performances are also just really really solid and strong that the fact that we're basically getting a full season given that they're a very late mid-season replacement um is really lovely and i'm very excited that we're basically getting like 18-20 episodes um of this so this will carry us basically into summer and i'm very happy about that
2: yeah i updated like the show list for the next few months and things get sparse you know and not not that long um yeah i'm sure there'll be some new shows that we're not expecting that will pop up as always happens but it was nice to be able to like continue the elementary like like well i know there's at least one show i will likely enjoy watching each week, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah. So we will we'll see what happens. Uh, another show I'm very much enjoying watching, which only yeah. has four more episodes, which is one of the ones that's Ugh, it's one of going to disappear here, is Killing Eve, and we have Sorry Baby here. Uh, now I thought this was a strong episode, but it was the first one that kind of last week with like the convenient grief, you know, like grief inducing baby uh, was a you know like a little maybe a bit much, and then this week. I don't know if they're tipping too far in that direction based on kind of how it ends. A lot of this episode really, really works for me. And I did, as one of the, again, one of the things I most enjoyed that I watched this week. Um, The performances continue to be fantastic. Um, But it just, I'm like, the ending and also the the next week on, which I shouldn't be considering, but I still am.
1: It's hard not to.
2: Yeah, it tips it to a little bit like, "Mm, really, are we going to? And then it's the question is how much do you want to buy into this like this idea of reality of like oh what would be what's real if it feels manufactured it's like this is all not real so like yeah it's too easy to get uh for me to get too married to that but um yeah i thought I, I really liked what we got the here with v n l uh though and the the perfume and the fabulous clothes and the funeral all these different things um i thought worked Worked really well. It was another fabulous episode for Sandra. Oh, uh, what did you think about? Sorry, baby.
1: I really was hoping that they were going to get to kill the dick swap. Um, <laughs> um, that was tense, I, no, though, right? It was super tense. Like I was really impressed that they, um, given the fact that we're legitimately supposed to hate this man, mm-hmm. um, and also he's the he answers the mole question for us, which I really appreciated that they provided an answer for because that was kind of bugging me. Yeah, like right so away. Yeah right right like right away i was just like how how the fuck do they know this and it was just like because of the guy who looks like a dick swab. and it was like oh obviously that guy i love the
2: fiona shaw's like (laughs) you know it's somewhat disappointing when the person who most appears guilty is guilty (laughs) yeah Yeah. or whoever it was that said that it's like yep sometimes it is the the really squirrely guy is the one yeah yeah
1: Yeah. so i enjoyed that i enjoyed uh you know having to deal with other assassins Mm -hmm. um and how really irritating she found that um and also the fact that that guy is just terrible at his job he's just aggressively bad at this yeah um so i really liked that aspect of it as well of like no he's not good at this and i appreciated that sort of like minor expansion of the world Mm -hmm. so i liked that um but just like the general sort of action tension like The show has shown a very deft hand at creating these moments like right at the end of the episode, even between like the first episode with the hospital, but then especially last week in the club and then this week within a vaguely hot fuzz inspired sort of the most English town that we can possibly go to English town Mm -hmm. said within the course of the episode and then having a, a high speed chase through a rural town while someone's firing a very large assault rifle, or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. It was very good, but the fact that this sort of all fits and feels a piece of the world that they've established, I think, speaks a lot to, A, my willingness to give them a lot of leeway, but B, also, the confidence that they have in doing this, I think, makes up for a lot of ground. Now, I do agree with you that the whole, now, I'm gonna talk to her, is just like, no! Why? No. Don't do that. Even if she is obsessed with you, don't do that. Yeah, I've seen Hannibal. Have you not seen Hannibal? This <laughs> does not end well. Sandra, if she asks you to draw a clock, you say no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's just, I don't know that I buy, I mean, because I think I buy her being, like Eve being really like also obsessed with, with this person. In, yes. in an unhealthy way and not having the distance needed. And certainly with her her anger and, and rage towards her for Bill's death, like, adding, you know, compromising her judgment. Like, to an extent, I buy that. I don't buy with... Like, she seems too good at her job. And I she's new to this. So maybe that's yes. also part of it. But I also... I don't buy her, per, her you know, her, I guess, employee or her, her partner in the car letting her do that, you know? Yes.
1: No, I don't buy that either because... Like, previously, there's a weird sort of um, assistant sort of dynamic. And I don't feel like that that's present within the field at this point.
2: Well, or that that Eve would put these two in danger. Yeah. I believe she would put herself in danger. Yes. Yes. But I don't know that, like, okay, but if she kills you, she's also going to kill your two colleagues. So, like, if she had said something, if she said something at the start of the next episode, like, come over here. And if if she starts to do anything, leave. Then I could buy that more.
1: Sort of. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it's a little, it's a little inconsiderate, and that isn't, I don't want to say that isn't Eve, but it is to a certain degree, because that leads us to, like, the domestic stuff, which I think Mm. is really good. Yeah. And I really like how that's being played by both, um, O and the fellow playing her, uh, Eve's husband. And I like the, how sort of, like, generally kind of fraught that already is. Um, even if it doesn't necessarily feel like I would have liked that thread to have become frayed a little later. Yeah. But it speaks to like the degree of comfort that I think comes through a lot in the premiere and how much Eve's decisions have very much disrupted this to the point where they're already on edge. Mm -hmm. And I like that kind of a concept of, well, we were very comfortable in our relationship to the point where maybe we've gotten kind of apathetic about maintaining it. Mm Mm-hmm. And now you're doing things that don't make sense to me. And I'm not comfortable with that. And I like how that's sort of playing out. How's that working for you?
2: I absolutely agree. I think it's been really, really well done. And the... Like, like like that there's never a question of an affair or anything like that. Like it's never, he that, he knows her too well for that, you know, yeah. works really. And so they immediately cut, it's, a, it's the conversation that they have, um, that Syndrome and Fiona Shaw have in the grocers the first week. It's like, well, maybe start, you need to make him think you're having an affair then. So, you know, like, yeah. it's like, oh no, he, would, he wouldn't think that at all. He would know I was a spy before he would think that. It's like, well, and then, then that, that does happen here and it feels organic and earned. It doesn't feel too writerly. Um, yeah. I think uh, that the fact things are starting to fray quickly, uh, you know, would raise an eye ex- eyebrow. Except that there's only eight episodes in the season, so we're now halfway through. So that, um, you know, the, I think that works, and c- certainly, like she says, some really rough stuff. But I think she's also grieving, and I think that that makes sense for where she's at. I think her, like you said, not maintaining her decision not to repair the damage. Right away, uh, speaks to that and will be significant for you know what how things develop. I think it also is significant for her decision at the end of the episode to go talk to Vianelle because she, so she's also off of her game, like she's off her professional settings, like she's not grounded the way she normally would be, she's also not grounded at home the way she normally would be, so like her whole. Mm-hmm. Like, like her judgment in everything is up in the air. And I think that that helps sell a little bit more of that decision at the end. But, um, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing what's going to come next. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't, I want to see the next episodes, but I don't want the show to be over soon, you know? So I'm like, I'm totally. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm in the same boat with, uh, that with Killing Eve and also the terror, which we're not discussing this week, but had a very, another very good episode. But yeah, both of these shows are about to be over, and I'm already like, no, these do not be over. <laughs> at least Killing Eve's already confirmed to come back for a second season. Yeah. Um. Do you have anything else from Killing Eve?
2: No, uh, but in the theme of almost over for the season, we have Arrow, docket number 11194173. So we have Arrow, uh, sorry, not Arrow, we have Arrow. Uh, uh, Ollie uh, for trial, uh, it, you know, for being the Green Arrow, and it's another very convenient. The whole trial takes place in an afternoon kind of thing. Um, uh. it takes like two days or something. But what the reason I wanted to mention this is that I really appreciate that they brought back um, Human Target Guy or Chance is the last name I don't remember John Chance or I don't remember his first name. Um, anyways, they they bring him back to to impersonate. Someone else as being uh, the Green Arrow and having that be Tommy Merlin, I thought was such a smart choice because he's dead and there's he's close enough to these other characters that it can make sense. And, um, you know, as far as certain suspicions of like, why did certain people, they seem close, why they, you know, like it's a friend like the Black Canary is Laurel Lance and um, everyone knows that she and Ollie were a hot socialite item for you know like very publicly for years and isn't that convenient and all this everything well yeah also it was his best friend so that kind of I think it all kind of works well I think that, that choice made a lot of sense plus it lets them bring that actor back who's always fun and it's very game um, I liked that they, the solution they had with the judge I thought worked really well and um The where things seem to go, I think they earned the choice to have Laurel um, not uh, to have Laurel choose team Oliver over the baddies on the stand when she confirms that Tommy is the green arrow instead of Oliver, despite fearing for her life. Um, I still think that they've got a long way to go with that character. But I I'm enjoying Katie Cassidy's performance for the most part uh, when they give her things that aren't stupid to play. And I would expect we will see a noble sacrifice by Captain Lance for her <laughs> in the finale. <laughs> and we, we also know Sarah's coming back for the finale. So um, How I was would- she. Oh, you didn't know that? Yes, I didn't know that. No, Sarah's back for the finale.
1: Oh, so. well, that's nice that she remembers she has a family. That's lovely.
2: That will make. I think that's the other reason I think they're going to kill Captain Lance because that will also make it easier for Sarah to not come back <laughs> too much to visit. Um. Anyways, uh. So yeah, I thought that that was. A, you know, I liked that they didn't forget that this part of the world is out there and they've played this card and now they have a reason to not use it in the future for a while. And yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was smart and it was. You know, a, a fun choice and a creative way to get out of this problem um let's yeah getting out of problems let's go over to the flash therefore she is um this is an attempt to get us on board with the thinkers uh assistant or devoe's wife whose name i used to remember but i don't anymore and yeah marlene or something something like that
1: i'm gonna look it up real quick but yeah
2: anyways so so we get a it's a flashback episode with them and they want us to like her because as we've been staying saying for forever she's gonna turn against devo and stop him in the end and that's gonna be what you know how he's defeated and so we're supposed to like her so that way we care when she betrays or kills here stops him So that we can be emotionally involved when that happens. The way they get there in this episode, so much of this episode works. And then she needs to pivot from being a good-hearted, kind person who truly believes in humanity's good to absolutely buying into his insane, mad person ramblings that apparently he's always had. It wasn't just like he started using the cap and that turned him crazy. It's like, no, he's always been crazy. Um, Because... Some, some people went and shot up this, this, this town where she was uh, building a water purification system um, in this village in Africa because uh, they found out that they had this technology and so they came and killed everybody for it. And her solution to that is not – it's tragic that that's how desperate people are for water – we need to make these available everywhere so that no one will ever die over, like, the fear of not having clean water. Her solution is, no, we should take away everyone's clean water in the entire planet, because that's the only way. Like, it's insane. It doesn't make any sense. It's bad writing. It's They don't earn it. And, like, to even try. Like, I guess, congrats, like... Congrats on the balls of trying this, but you should have known it was doomed to fail because it's absolutely unbelievable. and it's it, like the the ramblings they give DeVo don't work, but they they also they really don't work <laughs> for her. And setting him up as them always as having had an abusive and toxic relationship. That, like, that, that's the, what they establish here. And, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I, I'm assuming she's got daddy issues and she's got other some, severe self-esteem issues that have never been hinted at before. Because that's the only way she goes out with somebody who's nagging her constantly. Like, we see as, like, what attracts them, uh, what attracts her to him. um Like, like like taking what was theoretically a very loving relationship being tested by the, the baddie going, like, kind of crazy... Um, and art and super villainy, um, and and taking it and recontextualizing the whole thing as a controlling, abu- uh, emotionally abusive relationship um, that has, like, drawn her to this point is interesting and makes a lot of sense, I think, for what they've shown for DeVoe, but I think it doesn't, like, it just so, it so doesn't work. That turn for her is so Poorly done. It just can't possibly work with how kind and good they make her. That it's just like, I don't need, I don't, I, I'm rambling. I don't have words. It was just bad.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'll, it's really frustrating watching this because Marlies is depicted as incredibly competent, um, and very essential. Like the whole, I'm nothing without you sort of abusive sort of language gets played at the end but it's driven... It doesn't make sense that she's attracted to this guy at all. Like, their initial encounter within the symposium of, like, oh, kind of academic show-off, like, kind of stuff can be done in a really kind of fun, flirty sort of way. I've seen it done on a number of other shows. That isn't what happens in that scene. It's a very aggressively condescending and rude, and that is, like, much closer to an academic symposium (laughs) but that this that that symposium leads to degree of attraction is just mind-boggling to me um so to then like sell it through like a picnic and that he has these like anti-technological um rantings within a journal that he just casually leaves out when they're unpacking. Um, it's just, it's so weird and so contrived. And your point about how, again, very contrived, her turn is um, following the attack on the village. is just, it's, I—I. I, it's not possible to buy it. Like it's not.
2: Also, you don't test whether water is pure and safe to drink
1: by, by drinking. drinking it no you don't do that that's really that's just bad science yeah um there are a number of other ways to test that um so it's it's really it's very very frustrating and especially for a character that the show had done a good deal to like make really sympathetic with the lemonade recipe um loop that they established and that that whole sequence is very very good and I feel like this episode just weirdly undoes a lot of this because it's just like she's been buying into this sort of like abusive sort of relationship for a very long time now. And the degree to which that, that is what we're now establishing as the norm for them makes the other parts of it just seem really, it undermines a lot of it. And that's really, really frustrating. Uh So her then like double turn at the end of like trapping him within the nothing can get out of this force field a Clifford um type of thing, and now she's like suiting up on the chair herself to presumably finish the Enlightenment project. It's not super clear. Yeah. Um is whatever. Um and I don't know quite how to buy it as her like reestablishing her power over within the relationship, reclaiming her sense of identity, to which it is well, if you're reclaiming your sense of identity, then we don't have two more episodes to go because you should just finish this now. Um, so what is what is your thing here? So it's really frustrating to watch um, all of this. And it yeah, it was just really frustrating considering that I sort of liked their general sort of plan, even if a lot of it was just like Cisco being knocked out by a flip and just going that's not how that works at all on this show but mm-hmm. it's convenient that it works this way today um, type of thing and bleh. yeah it's I, I bad.
2: really
1: yeah I really do think I'm like done
2: mm-hmm.
1: after this season wraps like I left that in the notes and I'm really feeling that way um, that I'm just I'm probably gonna end up taking another break um, with season five um, like I ended up doing with arrow of being like I, I think I need a little time alone, and I don't really think that the time-traveling offspring of Barry and Iris that is has been flir- flitting around this season um, is something enough to draw me in.
2: Yeah, well, and that's clearly going to be the end of season cliffhanger, so there's going to be, I'm your daughter, you know, we have to save the future, or whatever, um, like... Yeah, like, and, and maybe if everybody hadn't figured it out the first time she showed up, it would be more exciting, but, like...
1: Yeah, no, we, we all, all figured it, it out is. immediately, and yeah. you guys tipped your hand way too quickly with that character.
2: And with the and fabulous then, casting.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then it's just like, well, she has purple lightning. That's a much better way to give that away than she's fawning at the weddings type of thing. Um, yeah, so that was, that was frustrating as well. But... Yeah, I just I can't get excited about anything they're doing. Even if like some of the fight execution of it is good, I like the fact that his big plan is to make everyone stupid. Basically, I mean it's it's appropriately like ridiculously supervillainy, which fits with this season. It's just it's mired in a bunch of other stuff that isn't working.
2: Yeah, what'd you think of the Cisco and Gypsy stuff?
1: I'm not invested in that relationship at all, so it was really difficult to sort of care about it. But, I mean, kudos to Carlos Valdez for making me care in that scene of, like, no, I this isn't working for me. And it was just, like, it's the most that I really feel like they've given him in a while. And it's very good. You can tell he was, like, geared up for that. And so that scene of, like, them coming to the point of, like, yeah, this isn't working for either of us at this point anymore because we both very much want different things. I liked how that scene played out. The resolution of it of, like, leaving Earth-19 and that kind of thing, I was just kind of like, mm. But I liked that one scene in the big MRI re- recuperating room that they have uh, now because everyone keeps getting so hurt. Um th- I liked that scene, but the overall sort of effect that this may or may not have on the show is negligible to me because I've never been particularly invested in that. How did you feel about it then?
2: No, I liked it and I thought it worked well. I, you know, I'm very, I'm very here for, um, for that. Just have, I like that that relationship. I think they're they're fun and cute together. I, I appreciate the mm-hmm. quips and I appreciate the the energy of those two uh, together. So I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss Gypsy, but. Um, again, Carlos, he's nailed it, and he's he's always terrific. And when they, it's like, just give him stuff. When you give him stuff, it's right. good. Uh, I also really enjoyed the team up of Harry and I still can't remember her name. Sort of like a seal. C. What Camille? Yeah. Cecile, Cecile, okay, uh,
1: ADA Cecile Horton,
2: Cecile Horton. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I thought again, the, those two are terrific together, and they have mm-hmm. been all season. So that yeah. was a fun, that was a fun way to get around that and to really establish what's happening for him and connect, connect it to the overall uh, season arc. So I thought that that actually kind of dovetailed really nicely. But yeah, the other stuff was so stupid that it just kind of overshadowed everything else. Um, it's safe to say the Flash is not winning my week in drama genre. What wins your week in drama genre?
1: Well, speaking of, like, giving them things to do, Supergirl also gave Jeremy Jordan a lot to do well, mm-hmm. um, this week. And um, even, like, in more background sort of thing. But it worked really well as well as, like, hey, you give Jeremy Jordan things to do. He does them. Um, but I think that, um, I think it's Killing Eve again, probably. Yeah, um, for me too. Yeah, I think it's Killing Eve this week.
2: Yeah. Um, now we'll take a break and come back with our deep dive, uh, or spotlight on... Uh, Howard's End, the four-part miniseries over at Star. So we'll take a break, listen to a quick trailer for it, and be back with our conversation about that. What the devil are you playing?
0: Isn't it lovely? No, it is not. You're giving me a headache. Both of you are giving me a headache.
2: Please stop quarreling. What's in that letter, Meg?
0: Bad news? Poor Mrs. Wilcox. Mr. Wilcox, I'm so dreadfully sorry. You are very good to come. The post's come, Father. I don't understand. It's a letter from your mother. What does it say? I should like Miss Margaret Schlegel to have Howard's end. What? Who is Miss Schlegel?
1: The mother admired her. Miss Schlegel was very kind.
0: The house meant so much to her. It isn't like her to leave it to an outsider.
1: How'd do you do? thought I'd recognize
0: your voices. I like Mr. Wilcox. Only because you dissect him. Don't you dissect Mr. Bast? I like him so much. We're always dissecting people. Men like the Wilcoxes batter their way through the abyss, pulling heaps of money from it. I hate him You don't understand him You too feel lonely Horribly Mr. Wilcox has made me an offer of marriage It is a wonderful feeling knowing a real man cares for you Meg. don't do such a thing I know you don't What do you know? Don't! His money is nothing to me Personal relations are the important thing I'm going my own way To Mrs. Margaret Wilcox.
2: Mr. Bast! Do you pretend to hide this dreadful secret? Oh, no! Margaret! We're back with the televerse. This is Kate Culture is as ever, by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week for our spotlight section, we are diving in with the four-part miniseries from Starz uh, adaptation of Howard's End, which of course was previously, you know, best known for people as a considered a literary, you know, masterpiece by E.M. Forster, Forster, um, but also as an Emma Thompson movie <laughs> from the nineties that's really, really good and got her an Oscar. Um, and so let's start with that. Where you, had you seen the? Have you seen the film?
1: I have, but it was, like, so long ago that I remember virtually none of it. And so the same just, is
2: true for me. So I, I yeah. felt, like, pretty able to, like, wa- I kept confused because I watched... Okay, I watched Howard's End and Remains of the Day, like, within a week of each other when I first watched them. It's super
1: easy to confuse them, Yeah, I feel like, so... Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally understand where you're coming from with that because I really do think in my brain that I've confused the two of those very much. Yeah.
2: Uh, Listeners, if you haven't seen the both of them star Emma Thompson and Anthony Hopkins – as love interests, uh, who for various reasons, things are very repressed and can't be expressed for a long time. Um, uh, anyway, so this is the mini series, um, from stars starring Hailey Atwell, uh, adapted by Kenneth Lonergan, um, directed by Heather McDonald, who people will know. I know from directing Doctor Who, but, um, yeah. you know, from other things as well. Um, so let's start with it. How did it work for you? Would, would, you know, was it still engaging? Did the four part, like, you know, four hour expansion work for you? What did you think?
1: Um, I wasn't, like, a big fan of the first episode, and, um, so I ended up, like, when we decided to do this, I ended up deciding to wait to watch the next three, like, all together. Um, and I think it gets much better as it goes along, um, just from a pacing sort of issue. Um, even if I do think that a whole subplot could have been excised without losing a whole lot um based on this adaptation even though they needed it for certain character beats and we can talk about that um but it ended up being really compelling and i think that a lot of it basically relies on atwell Mcphaden's, and coltard's performances um carrying a lot of this sh- um for me anyway and the degrees to which i was engaging with the show was basically on their performances alone um because we all know Haley atwell is amazing and that she does a number of really really good things in this particular miniseries um but she's also supported by a number of really um, strong actors and like matthew and Philippa um colthard and so i think that that helps me a lot even if i wasn't necessarily um as invested in this whole sort of um exploration of manners of class of um and expectations of how we how these three individual sort of groups navigate the world because i don't think that the miniseries necessarily does a terrific job of addressing those things um it does a much better job with the Schlegers and the woolcaaxes than does with the Basts I think. Um, but overall I think it's I think it's good overall um, but I think the performances are what makes it. Um, how did you feel about it overall?
2: I really enjoyed it, and I got swept up into it, so I I watched it really quickly. I I watched one, two, three, four. I just, like, watched it, and I was like, I have other things I should be watching, and other work I should be doing. Okay, I will watch, I'll just, let's watch the first one, and then uh, then I'll watch the, I'll watch it week to week. And then it was like, well, maybe I should, like, refold that laundry while I watch the second one. Like, so, uh, for me, it's, like, so many of these different period adaptations where you you get swept into the world, like, uh, of the book, or the, the... You know, I think of like adaptations of Pride and Prejudice and other like kind of period um, comedy of, mer- of 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 errors or um, drama about, you know, class station and these different things that uh, different literary adaptations I've seen. This feels very much of a piece of those. And when I watch those, I have a hard time not just like. Watching through, you know, and getting swept up in it. So for me, it, it worked, but I did. I do think that you know it's interesting to. Certainly, I've really enjoyed looking at different reviews about it because it's interesting to see a a adaptation that for so many will always inevitably be second to the movie because because M. Sure. Thompson's so amazing, right? That and, and I was, I found it very interesting that I didn't see. Because Anthony Hopkins is so amazing or because anything that's just everybody loves Emma Thompson because she's the best. We all love Emma Thompson. Um, and so this very much standing in that shadow and being like, it's really good for not being Emma Thompson. And so I, I was I appreciated not having that baggage while watching it. So I could just kind of really appreciate Haley Atwell. Um, I'm, I just want to right off at the top say the cast is really good. Yes. But Matthew McFadden is too young.
1: Yes, yes.
2: Because Haley Atwell is too old. She's, yeah. like, seven years too old for the character. And so if you're going to cast her because she's really, really good, great. But then you can't also cast Young for Henry. And, like, Henry seemed, like, and maybe this is what they were going for, but Julia Armand is great as Ruth. I I really yes. I really like Atwell and Armand together. Um yes. But it felt very much like Ruth was an older woman who married a younger man. Uh, Because I think Wilcox is supposed to be, the Wilcoxes should be a similar age to each other. And that is not how it feels. And some of that is just based on Ruth is very sick. And so she's like, looks more drawn and tired and pale. Yes. But um, I actually really appreciated the choice to kind of like make Henry a little sexier. And make her like more just like appealing to Margaret, to Meg. I thought that that actually really worked and made sense. But then I didn't buy, like, I think he still needed to be older, but, like, where you can see that he was a fox in the day. You know, like, that kind yeah. of thing. I think that would have worked better. He's
1: too foxy now, right now.
2: Yes. Well, he he feels too young. Like, yeah. you don't feel that, like, he's in his, what, 40s and she's in her 20s. Yeah. That should be, like, that's a huge, like, you, they, they don't feel like they're that far apart, which then no, makes some of the other things not work as well.
1: Right, especially by the end when they're, like, I feel like they're, like, dress. as they're styling Atwell's hair in this very, like, old sort of fashion. They're
2: aging like, her up, yeah.
1: They're aging her up in a way that feels like they're not giving to him. Mm-hmm. And it's very bizarre. Um, and, yeah, no, I, I do agree that, like, some of the point, I was just like, they feel more like contemporaries, which is weird.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, because and and I really liked his performance. Actually, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought yeah. he did a really good job. I think he's terrific. Um, but yeah, for me the that was something that I like. It worked as well as long as I didn't think about it too much. But as soon as I did, yeah, you know, um, I like
1: shattering noise. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I also you you singled out Phila Colthurd who plays Helen. I thought she was also terrific in a character that I feel like. It would be very easy for that care to be insufferable and yeah, very frustrating. Um, I thought she was terrific, and um, you know the dynamics of the different families I thought worked worked really really well. I like how the beginning of the story starts off as like Pride and Prejudice and then just takes a left turn. It's like, no, we're not going to do that, <laughs> and goes into something else instead, which I thought was really fun. Um, let's uh let's dive in we're, we're going to talk about each of these performances i'm sure but let's talk about the 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 writing and the pacing and structure because this is very much as you said there's it's th- it's a story of three families so it's the schlegels which is a hilly atwell um you know she's the matriarch of that family it's her and her sister and her younger brother who's like supposed to be like 16 who's very annoying but <laughs> he's supposed to be tippy. um Ugh. tippy yeah and, and then you have um uh, the Wilcoxes where which eventually they end up you know Margaret ends up getting married to Henry um and of course his wife is is Ruth Julia Armand and and he's got his whole slew of kids um who are their age like so the his kid like he when they get married she's his daughter's age and that should be kind of creepy and they don't pull that off but anyways Point being, we have that whole clan, and then there's also the Bass, so Leonard Bass and and Jackie Bass. Um, and I, certain things I thought actually did work really well with the Bass. I thought that Joseph Quinn, who plays Leonard Bass, actually did a really good job, and they made him look really young in a way that I I didn't expect. I thought actually worked really really well. I think Jackie Bass they did a good job with her considering what I understand of the source material. I feel like it would be very easy to make that character um like scapegoated and not interesting and not dimensional. She's not very dimensional here and it's a weak point of the show, but I feel like she, I get the sense that she's much better than she usually is shown to be. Like I, that's such middling praise, especially because I'm not familiar with these other adaptations, but you, when you see that character, you can see all the different ways that that character could easily go. And I think the way that they choose to go with her is more interesting, even if they super glide over what, you know, like how things turn out for her. Uh, what, what did you think of, of these different families?
1: So I think that the overall sort of con- thematic sort of conflict between the Schlegels and the Volcoxes is generally better explored than how the Basts necessarily get worked into things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that is sort of partially by design in the fact that the baths are increasingly an afterthought within this world, but because both the characters, particularly like Henry and Margaret by the end are treating them as afterthoughts. And mm-hmm. Helen's the only one being like, uh, no, we, we ruined this guy's life. And now um, we need to do something about this. Um, but at the same time, it allows both of their like storylines to become like weird afterthoughts. And so, for me, the balance of what those what those impacts end up being, including Helen basically running away to Germany um, as a result, basically of the breaking of Margaret, Mary, and Henry, and then their refusal to do anything for the Basts, mm-hmm. um, is handled very, very quickly. And that really sort of a lot has me struggling with it. Because a lot of that is basically handled in montage of people writing letters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so the dramatic arc of that is really sort of handled in a way that doesn't give them enough space, I feel. Them being the basts. Mm-hmm. And that I sort of struggled with a little bit. E and... That, that was really difficult for me um, and made me not particularly care about it because a lot of it feels very motivated to motivate things between Margaret and Helen and then motivate things between Margaret and Henry without really giving them any space. And again, I feel like all of this is by design to comment on how both of these particular fam- upper, upper-crusted families feel about a working-class family and mm-hmm. degrees of uh well off liberal guilt and this kind of a thing but it still leaves both of those characters being the bastards in a weird sort of dramatic position of feeling less like characters and more like plot devices yeah and that was that was really difficult for me to sort of reconcile when the show is wanting to use them to more shade these two other two families than necessarily draw them as characters
2: yeah. Well, and when you don't, because so much of this I really is feel like it's from Margaret's perspective. Yes. So, so when you don't spend any time on what is Leonard Bast's day, what is his yeah. life, what you like, then you, you know, you're not gonna be as invested. And he is, he's there. He does very quickly become. Though I think the what they give him, the the actor does a really good job with, and I buy awesome. his like rapport with Helen actually really well. Um. But um he very quickly turns into a commentary on the working man and like and it's it's so relevant to now. Yes. <laughs> we saw Bezos, like only thing I could think to do with my billions is to explore space and...
1: Make a big penis rocket and and shoot it
2: into space. 30% of his employees are on food stamps, but the only thing he can think to do with his billions, not pay his employees more, heaven forbid, it's to go explore space with his toys. Um, So it's incredibly relevant to to right now uh, still, which is, you know, depressing. Um, But... That that's what he becomes. That's what Leonard becomes. Um, just a measure by which the other characters are judged, and Mm -hmm. um, and their response to that pressure point, um, which is unfortunate, certainly, and and stops this from being the fully explored, like class discussion that I think it could be or wants to be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I I think like structurally the it is it, it is very it feels very episodic. I think they did a good job of like being like a chapter in the lives. Like so the first one yes. is like the part of the Lives where where Ruth is there. And then like so I, I think the last two kind of really blend together, but the other ones worked pretty well. I, I was more engaged I would say by the first and then the last two uh episodes. Hmm. Um because I just so enjoyed Julia Armand as Ruth. I really appreciated her. Um so that i loved the first episode for me. But uh, I think the I mean it's not surprising uh, that I'm going to really uh connect with the the stuff. It's all about the sisters, you know, and the strength of that relationship. Of course, that's that's wheelhouse for me. Um, but I, but I thought they did a pretty good job, all things considered, with pacing things out and like we have an episode about the courtship, and then we have the episode about the the engagement, and the marriage. Then we have the episode where everything goes to hell, <laughs> and will they be able to fix it? Um, yeah. So I thought the direction worked well, and and, and the the while we have our issues with the bass i thought the overall the writing was was pretty good for me though this does come down to the performances um are there any other elements before we get into the acting are there any other elements you wanted to like those costumes are gorgeous like any other
1: things you wanted to mention right no margaret's just i'm assuming it's a button fetish of some kind Mm -hmm. um is just delightful and i love like all her all her coats with all the buttons Mm -hmm. it's just amazing and she has like I want to say, like, it feels like she has at least two variations on that coat with the buttons. And both of them made me very happy because Mm -hmm. it was just like, these are very good. But I I do like a lot of the costuming. I think that they kind of, they do a good job of very quickly establishing everyone's particular sort of class standing really, really quickly, I think. Um, So I really appreciated that aspect of it. Um, And so, yeah, the costume is really good. Aesthetically, i think that the show is fine nothing like particularly like really stood out to me that i can think of off the top of my head Mm -hmm. um and i didn't like note anything that got particularly stuck um but it's yeah it's all really generally really well edited and put together and yeah there's no like particular fault on like an aesthetic level i think with the series
2: yeah well then let's just dive in and um aside from just saying they're really good um what, what did you think of let's start let's just start with Haley atwell because this is her movie this is her series.
1: yeah and i think she just she kills it like i mean on the various levels of needing to be really supportive of her family of being really just sick and tired of her family it was just like Please stop playing that goddamn piano. I can't deal with this anymore. Um, to her flirtations, uh, her flirtation performances with um, McFadden, I think are really good. I think like the point where I really keyed in, though, with the chemistry, especially between her and um, Coulthard, is when they're both just being terribly, terribly, terribly obnoxious towards Bast when he's visiting them the first time. Mm-hmm. And, like, their overlapping dialogue, but also, like, how really overeager they are and how just really just obnoxious that they are in that moment is, the, like, crystallization of how both of them have interacted and, like, want to do well by this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and how just that degree of back and forth between them and then how that energy gets thrown to Quinn and how Quinn just very much just absorbs it mm-hmm. but doesn't do anything back because that's not what Bast would do in this situation I think is really good I think it's sort of the hallmark sort of performance like that's the sequence that I think stands out the most to me from an acting perspective of like how the two of them bounce off each other and then Quinn gets introduced and then can't do anything um, because he just reasonably cannot Um, but yeah, that was just really good. And she knocks everything out of the park. Um, I can't like the whole, her ability to basically turn on everyone, um, to allow Margaret to turn on everyone once, um, Helen returns. Um, and the whole, he's not old enough to be a doctor (laughs) is again, also just really well delivered. And all of it, I think, I think the key for the, all of this, especially given that a lot of it needs to demonstrate how Margaret changes over the course of this story, Atwell makes all of that really convincing, I think. hmm Yeah. Which he, would be really difficult to do, but I think that she does a really good job of that.
2: Yeah, because it's, it's easy to feel like, I think, with this character and with the arc that, that she goes on, that um, she diminishes herself and then... Um, and and just becomes this like shell of who she was and then when put in the crucible of her sister's crisis blooms back into independence and strength right and that is too easy that's too simplistic a read and atwell doesn't do that instead it feels like a maturation process of yeah and so while helen's like you, like as the audience, you're absolutely. At least I was totally with Helen. You know, um, it it actually speaks to Margaret's maturity when she's like, "I'm marrying this guy. I'm not gonna try to change him." Yeah, that's a that child. Whole
1: scene is really good too.
2: I'm accepting him for who he is, and that's what this means. You know, like, and if you you can't marry someone, expect you're going to expect them to just become somebody else. Um, and and so the th- it feels really you know like like it feels like a progression as we go through the story and when we get to you know and i think that also speaks to mcfaden's performance as well when we get to the end and she's talking about how ruth spoiled you and and how actually how fragile he is um after this like life of appearing the blustery you know strong man which is why he's a shit father to his kids um why he was a shit father to his kids um why it's so effective and why you can can buy it and you, it's it's just like it's frustrating cuz you you like why did you wait this long why did you spoil your husband this long because who he's going to be after he gets through this Assuming that the marriage can weather it is going to be much more interesting. <laughs> it's going to be a much better partner um, after this. So, so it, that was really then very satisfying. And the way, like the the celebration of Margaret via Helen at the end, talking about how like Helen couldn't have pulled this off, Henry couldn't have like they, you know, like this the strength in compassion and in uh, like Margaret's superpower is like what where she gets by the end. She doesn't have this at first with Leonard, but is is in seeing people and understanding who they are and knowing when to push them and when not to, you know, yeah. and, and no, and then being able to approach seeing their flaws and approaching them still with kindness. She sees Helen's flaws. She sees Tibby's flaws. She knows Tibby is an annoying, annoying little, little jerk when he's not letting her go to her sister, you know? Um, But she still loves him. And, and that, that, that warmth and beauty and kindness, it, you know, it really is highlighted in that first episode. Could you see that in Ruth? You see it in Margaret, but they still feel distinct. And you can like the, the one trouble I have with them with that is the ending of, uh, where she, where she tells, um, she tells Henry that he was right to burn Ruth's note, giving her, um, Howard's, Howard's end. end. Like, That just, I don't understand it. I need to think about it more, what they're saying. Because for me, it's like, this guy burned the last wish of his wife because he knows better. And you just said, and I think we're supposed to believe she's being honest, that that was the right thing for him to do. And I don't believe for a second that that was the right thing for him to do. Like, I could not say, like, him, her saying, like, she understood why he did it, or, the make like, she, uh, like, understands that, and, like, she, maybe she would have done the same thing. Like, you know, that, as opposed to saying, no, you, that was right, you were right. It's like, for me, it feels like a betrayal of the progress that they've just made, you know, and back to the coddling him some more. And then it's almost like, is it supposed to be a depressing ending? Is it supposed to be, like, all this wonderful progress, but now we're going to negate it? But, you know, or is it two steps forward, one step back? What do you think about that ending?
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of the ending, and I struggled with the same thing you did. And I'm not sure that the, I'm not sure that there's a good read on that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and not being familiar with the source material, I'm not sure if that's how this wraps up in there either. I would assume um, it does, because
2: that seems like a significant change. To say so if you're going to change it, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that I don't, I can't say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is a little confounding. Um. And I agree with everything you just said in that I don't know what the I don't know what the correct way of going about that is mm-hmm. and how to interpret it is
2: weird. Yeah, well, but I think it's also part of appreciating that Margaret herself is a flawed character, and she's not. Yeah. She's not here to be your, you know, feminist heroine. Kate, as you watch this, <laughs> she's gonna make choices you don't agree with, and she's gonna, you know, keep her mouth shut when you wish she would speak up and value herself more. And, um, and but that's I think I think the the miniseries makes it clear pretty early on that again we Harry Atwell's lovely so we 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 want to like margaret she's very winning and very personable and very kind and interesting um but she's not necessarily right all the time and that's much more interesting so that ending kind of just contributed to my take on that overall where it's like yes that's what margaret says but that doesn't mean that margaret is supposed to be right but i i just don't know that's where i fall on it. i don't know where the miniseries falls on it so that's you know maybe other listeners can let us know what they think
1: yeah and they should um yeah yeah, they should because i don't have an answer for that and i think a lot of that speaks to the degree to which like going back to like sort of their treatment of the basts and more using them in a less elegant way um it speaks to the degree of sometimes the the miniseries feeling a little way a little too surface level Mm -hmm. and i think that that's probably where this hitch is coming from is like if this is, like, lifted from the book, there's not enough to establish it as a legitimate sort of way to end this particular adaptation.
2: Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, Speaking of flawed characters, I also appreciate, like I said, how shitty of a dad Henry is and Mm -hmm. uh, how you're not surprised that his kids turned out how they did because, like, look at who their father was. (laughs) Yeah. Oh,
1: poor Percy. I feel so bad for that guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah um but but, you know i think that then some of this is also just down to the book where you have leonard who's there to die (laughs) yeah though i will say a change from the book the the he just gets hit on the head in the book apparently and that kills him as opposed to having a bookshelf fall on him which is very heavy-handed he's killed by books we get it but I think is a much better way than just having him get hit on the head and that kills him. So. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, it's Except also it's like... his heart just,
2: condition, but yeah.
1: Right, I was about to say, like, there's an underlying condition to him getting hit on the head causes this other thing. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, right? Like yeah. you said, he's got some sort of heart condition of some kind. Um, yeah, and I mean, his, his family is there to illustrate, to provide foils to the Schlegels. Mm -hmm. and um, they serve that purpose very well. Yeah. But that's literally all they're doing.
2: (laughs) Now, do you think this is one that people will be remembering if just for Atwell's performance come Emmy time, or do you think this is going to kind of just blip and go?
1: I think it depends on, like, the campaign that they put, if stars can, like, muster up a campaign for it. I think Atwell's probably decent a chance to, like, get some attention. But I think that's going to be the end of it. I don't think that the series itself is going to necessarily warrant a great deal of attention. But I also don't know what the miniseries landscape looks like um, this year so far. It will depend um, on what all gets like put in that field. Yeah, which is the other larger issue with that field. Um, but I think Atwell's probably... A, I, I feel like Atwell's most, almost certainly a lock to like, get, at the very least, probably a Golden Globe sort of nom. But um, Emmy Knob just depends on how this field checks out. Um, I don't think the miniseries itself is necessarily going to get any attention, though.
2: Well, it's not an attention-seeking kind of production, right? right?
1: Yeah, it's
2: very, it's like, it's strange for it to be on Stars. Like, I guess they're going for the Outlander kind of connection, but, like, this feels yeah. like PBS.
1: Yeah, it does. And I don't know why necessarily... I don't know if this was, like, a co-production between BBC One and Stars. No, it was. It was indeed a... So yeah, this was probably an outlander chasing thing that they were aiming for here. Yeah. I don't know why. But, don't know why,
2: but yeah. yay Haley Atwell getting money and doing a fabulous performance.
1: Basically, yeah, is the important thing to take away from this is that Haley Atwell got a vehicle, got got a vehicle after not having a vehicle with whatever that really bad ABC series, law series that was a terrible misfire. Mm-hmm. Um, But then also just reminded you that, you know, Maybe you can rewatch some Peggy Carter.
2: Yeah. G- <laughs> Give us a third season. Give us a third season of Agent Carter. It would be so much more interesting than all of your other shows, Netflix. Um, Even though I know Netflix didn't start the show, but they could pick it up. I'm just saying. Anyways, uh, we should wrap things up. So, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can leave us a comment there and let us know what you thought of the week's TV and what you thought of that ending to Howard's End. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can leave us a rating or a review on iTunes where we have an M4H feed and an mp3 unchaptered feed we would appreciate feedback there and also over on stitcher um because it lets us know that you're listening and of course we are both on twitter i am at the television noel you are
1: at noel rk
2: thank you so much for uh for for watching howard's end even though i know it's not your thing but thank you for you're know, diving in with it
1: period pieces are always like really hit or miss for me but i uh-huh. mean you had me at Haley apple kate
2: i i think hayley Atwell has all of us at yeah, no, Haley I think that's I
1: super true. I think that's very <laughs> super true.
2: Yeah. Um. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.